This episode of Rob's Podcast is sponsored by our friends over at True Car. Every car comes with a share of stories that ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, that luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you save by riding your bike all summer long. Now, while you can't put a price tag on your stories now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell it or to trade it in. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up, then answer a few questions. Navigation and Moonroof, watch as they bump up your car's value. High mileage, you already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it's going to ding your wallet so you can plan ahead. And once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or to trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True cash offer not available in all areas. Right, Rob and Akiva need a podcast. 39 shows. That's right. Episode number 39 of Renap. And the man who has been with me every single step of the way. You know him from his work as the co-founder of the Seinfeld Post Show Recap, the 32 Fans Podcast. Uh, much more. He has contributed to articles about ranking all of the Olympic events on deadspin.com as well. Please welcome the great Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? I, I like that you do that. Also, like my um, my uh, company at work, like my whole department sort of got uh, downsized. Oh, no. So I like that you're adding in things for my CV. Maybe I'll get hired off the podcast now also. OK, next next week. Can we have a whole resume reading instead of my past podcasts? Put it on the wheel. OK, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> can you name can you name my previous jobs like besides uh, podcaster, freelance uh, sports writer? Uh, Akiva has worked as a uh, teacher. Mm-hmm. Teaching, I believe English well, was it was English or history. English. Oh no, English literature. English, That's English. Good. okay. High school English. Uh, Akiva has worked for NBC at Sunday Night Football as a researcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's okay. Good. Uh, am, am I missing any any big blocks of time? No, you guys. I, I was also a teacher at a school for uh, kids with special needs, a high school, also. Okay. All right, and now. He's back and uh, I guess uh, soon to be full-time podcaster. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So putting it out into the universe. If people want to hire you, how, how do they get a hold of you? I mean, you can figure it out, you know, okay. you, the, the, how the, most people get hired via DMs. Okay. We have a lot of updates about our upcoming trip to uh, Minnesota. Does, do we need a branding or a hashtag for this trip? Akiva, this trip to Minnesota on July 16th and 17th. I mean, what, R- Renap Road Trip. Renap uh, Road Trip. That's not doesn't specify Minnesota. We'll we'll accept submissions for. And also, like it doesn't include Chester and 32 fans. We yeah, we need for next week. We'll get a hashtag. crossover event. Of, have you and Chester announced the, the official 32 fans podcast? What it's going to be. No, I'll announce it right now. Uh, we didn't record a podcast Wait, this week because we're dumb and okay. we forgot. Okay, good. All right, so this is a world premiere of it's exclusive. The- yes. Okay. Here we are renting out a Ben and Jerry's, and we're doing an ice cream tournament. 
Wow. 32 flavors of ice cream on yes. the bracket at 10 a.m. on yes. uh, Wednesday. Uh, so it's beyond uh, sold out. So if you know, you could listen to the podcast. Yes. And I, I will. Tr- tr- we'll try to uh, get every everything together uh, for podcasts, get some video as well. So that's what's coming up. Uh, Mets Mets twins game on uh, Tuesday night. If people want to attend the baseball games, they need to get money into Alexander Chester by um, the end of day Monday. So mm-hmm. uh, how do people do that? Um, uh, hit, hit one of us up on Twitter and uh, hit me up on Twitter and I'll direct you to, to Chester. Rob has some tweets about it also. Uh, uh, if you go to Rob's timeline. And then yeah, and the day Monday, two, there were a lot of baseball we're going to, Rob. A lot of baseball. Is it baseball too much baseball. baseball. It is too much baseball. Uh, baseball <laughs> game Tuesday night, baseball game uh, Wednesday, day game, 32 fans, ice cream tournament on uh, Wednesday morning. And then the big live Renap show is going to be on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We are still trying to, we have a venue that is uh, 80 people right now, but if we have more people coming, uh, we're working on getting uh, a bigger venue to try to accommodate everybody. More details on all of that coming up in our mailbag, but we need to get to our guest here today because we have a very highly anticipated episode, Akiva. Yeah, I think the first time our guest was on, it was a consensus top five episode. It's on Mount Renatmore, but not the mailbag part, the episode part. Yes, and we only can go downhill from here because <laughs> one, one of the only like consensus uh, 100% approval ratings, right? Yeah, I think it, I think uh, some people's number one episode, nobody hated it. People have been asking for it to come back since uh, the day it dropped. Uh, but everyone knows like in, we have not had a ton of luck with sequels, you and I. I think in the world. Sequel like, curse. Yeah, we've had a sequel course. Our, our sequel episodes have been more uh, Speed 2, Cruise Control, or Avatar 2 than, uh, you know, Godfather Matrix 2. Matrix 2, right. Yeah. <laughs> Avatar 2 didn't even come out yet. Yeah, but it's going to be a flop. Guaranteed. <laughs> All right. So please welcome uh, the man... Who knows uh, where all the bodies are buried? Of course, you know him from many appearances on RHAPN, specifically on post show recaps. Uh, please welcome the great Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, how are you? What's going on, fellas? Um, hoping Hi, to make this the new testament of sequels. Uh, oh, not as, well, that's not, not Akiva's favorite sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I tore a page out of a new book there. Um, yeah, uh, I'm. I want to know more about the Cookie Doughboys uh, ice cream tournament. I, I don't know. It sounds pretty fun. Do you want to come in, Tony? You could be. Uh, Chester's head is exploding every time I invite someone to this tournament because the, it's, we've already like filled up the space of the Ben and Jerry. So, any, everyone <laughs> should just tell Chester they want to come just to make him upset. It sounds fun. It'll be a good uh, post-birthday gift for Chester. So <laughs> that's probably the way to go is to make him stressed out. There's not enough things in the world to add stress to anyone's daily life. So this is a perfect uh, cure-all is to make him stressed about ice cream. Antonio, who is the chalk pick going into the Ben & Jerry's 32 flavor ice cream tasting? <laughs> this is a good question because he's, he's, I'm, I might be wrong about this, but I'm not sure that every Ben and Jerry's flavor that you can get in the store is actually available at like the scoop shops. Because I would say uh, my thick husband, uh, Chubby Hubby, is probably a, a chalk favorite, but I don't know yeah, if you can get that's that up there. Mm, okay. Is it cookie dough probably the favorite, though? 
I guess so you can get salmonella from it, right? So anything that's a little oh, bit yeah. dangerous, uh, a little <laughs> live, live life a little dangerously in the Ben yeah. and Jerry's that would be is great probably before we have like eight baseball games and podcasts on the one day. If we all just got salmonella poisoning, <laughs> <laughs> eating raw cookie dough and ice cream. Yeah, I think I'm going to fake eating the ice cream. No one will care, right? I can't. I, you can't realistically eat ice cream at 10 a.m. Then go to like a baseball game in the 95 degree heat and then do like a podcast at night. Probably have to go to like the Mall of America or something ridiculous in the middle there. Like. Well, that's not a realistic day. Well, what right? I'm banking up- on is that they give you it's such a small, like tiny spoon that they give mm-hmm. you for uh, to taste it that uh, I, I think that's why I'll be OK. You can probably just charge us like Ben Jerry's is expensive. Are they going to charge us like a thousand dollars a person and we just don't realize it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I haven't been involved on in the logistics. Of yeah, that. me neither. OK. All right. Let's so let's start to talk about some conspiracies. Antonio, were you inundated with feedback about the Conspirapod one? I was. And I'm very thankful that everyone appreciated uh, the podcast we did the first time around. If you haven't listened to it, I'm not sure exactly what episode number it was. It feels like it was so long ago. And yet there's only been 39 episodes. So it couldn't have been right. Like, I think it was within the last six months, I believe, somewhere maybe late December or January. Yeah, I think Uh, it was probably around like 17 or 18 in the run. Sounds about right. And yeah, great feedback. People loved it. It's weird because in my day-to-day life, I feel very burdened by not the the role I play in Conspiripod, but the role I play uh, or we all play in in perpetuating myths and conspiracies and the death of critical thinking and logical thought yeah. at the hands Number of Number 19 videos. in the run yeah. from January 18th, 2018. So 19, uh, 2019. Uh, uh, that should be 2019. A little, yeah, a little doubled. But uh, Alex Rubino needs to uh, correct that. Update these numbers. But yeah, mm-hmm. great feedback. Uh, I, I feel a little burdened now uh, because I don't want to be known as the conspiracy guy. The last thing I want to be is the Alex Jones of RNAP. So. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly tw- 20 wants. episodes ago. A conspiracy? Yeah. Yeah, not a title anyone wants. This is not great. So, yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have some fun today. One of the things we did uh, last time is we certainly solicited uh, listener suggestions, and one of the big ones we didn't get to was one of the massive ones that everyone wanted to talk about today. Uh, so we're definitely going to do that. We're going to touch on a sports conspiracy like we did last time. I think it is only fitting considering uh, the three of us talking uh, because we like to talk about sports. Uh, and then I've got one uh, right up Stephen Fishbox Alley, uh, Robin Akiva. So that'll be fun. And then we're going to do a, a lightning round at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, the novel does not exist. Uh, that's what it is. So we'll see. Okay. All right. A- any other questions for Antonio before we get started, Akiva? No. Uh, uh, did you do this yourself? I feel like last time we had you had some help. This time I feel like you really winged it. You did it by yourself. I'm impressed. Jesse East did a good job. Uh, and I want to thank her for getting together the stuff that the listeners sent in. Uh, and that kind of put me in a couple different directions. I've been keeping a loose note once uh, I was thrilled that everyone liked it so much that it went back on the wheel. So as I encountered ideas in my daily life, uh, conspiracies, I, I sort of put them in a note. Uh, And some of what we're going to talk about today is a product of that. I have one final question, though. Again, I just want to go back to the ice cream tournament. Is lactate considered a performance enhancing drug? (laughs) Uh, It's a good question. By the way, I had to uh, I know people are sick of the ice cream stuff. I had to go through the website. Yeah. And (laughs) I had to go through the website. They have like 75 different flavors. If you include like the scoops and the non dairy and the vegan and all this. And I had to check each one on the website to see if it's kosher, because like I was told that 
they have like two not kosher ones, but they don't specify which ones. So they go to 75 different ice cream websites. And I found the, the culprits of what's not kosher at Ben and Jerry's. And it's the uh, two sorbets. Not OK. Good. All right. No sorbet uh, in <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> Antonio, do you want to weigh in at all about uh, any conspiracies about the lack of uh, Jonathan uh, Taylor Thomas in uh, 2019? I have no official comment at this time. Uh, it's something that uh, I, I really am not uh, at liberty to speak about. Uh, some of the knowledge I have might uh, change things significantly. Uh, let's just say there may be reasons. That's yeah. all I'll say. I have some theories, too. Uh, Akiva, did, how was the feedback on Jonathan Taylor Thomas? I think we were nervous about the podcast going in because we didn't really know what we'd focus on. And, and I think it was very strong. Okay, I think good. people liked it. I, I hope it. I don't know if it lasts them like the seven weeks. We, it feels like we've been gone, but I think they enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Antonio, take it away. Similarly to Jonathan Taylor Thomas uh, and a man who can't just can't wait to be king, uh, being removed uh, from canon and being taken out of uh, popular culture. We're, first conspiracy we're going to talk about or theory we're going to talk about is about celebrity. It's about the perils of celebrity, perhaps the cost of celebrity, perhaps what happens uh, to people when they become famous when they're young. Uh, this is a conspiracy or a story that is requested by many people. Uh, it was mentioned in the previous Conspirapod. It is the one by far uh, from the listener submissions uh, that was the most requested. Uh, I'm going to call it Avril Estamorta, uh, which is the name of the blog uh, that started this whole discussion. And it's about whether Avril Lavigne was, uh, became deceased through some form, which we could talk about, uh, and was replaced by a double uh, who now lives publicly as Avril Lavigne, but was not previously the Avril Lavigne who became popular. Uh, just off the jump, do you two know a lot about this conspiracy? Is it one that's on your radars? So I have talked about this on uh, News AF that we've uh, talked about it. Uh, oh, not recently, but at some point in the in the last uh, couple of years, uh, we talked about this. Uh, Akiva, is this like when the uh, WWF brought in like the fake uh, Razor Ramon and Diesel, or like Underfaker or whoever, <laughs> like all those like fake Kane? Um, I don't, I've, I've I've heard of this conspiracy theory, but I don't know the details behind it and now since people sort of suggested it last time i've avoided it can we get a age guess for you rob on avril lavigne's age assuming she is still alive okay uh i would say if avril lavigne is still alive i would say that she would be 34 years old good guess yes she is a year and a day younger than me she was born september 27th 84 okay very good guess. Uh, she was born September 27th, uh, 1984 and died. When did she die? Um, <laughs> sometime uh, in the early 90s uh, or late 90s, I should say. Sorry. Uh, maybe like 1999, 2000. So this is the theory. The rumors go like this. Uh, Avril basically became famous uh, when she was around 17 or 18 years old. Uh, she became famous with a very specific style and look at people who know her. Uh, and know her from that time period, remember her as the pop punk queen. Uh, and she basically, through her early life and through her early fame, 
uh, popularized a certain kind of style. You know, you might see it at the mall. That's the that's the look she was she was famous for. That's what everything. That's everything that was known about her. Uh, and she really was beloved. Uh, she was a massive superstar, but in many ways known as the anti-Britney, right? Because she mm-hmm. didn't necessarily want to be known for that kind of look. Her look was very different. Uh, it, like I said, pop punk was at the forefront of what she was doing. So she she went with a dark eyeliner. She went with specifics. Uh, and then what what happens to someone like that? Uh, famous people become famous overnight. Uh, it can become very difficult for them. Uh, they don't love being famous. And one of the things that this theory alleges is that at some point after becoming famous, Avril Lavigne hires a body double who is hired specifically to look like her, to make public appearances, to help extend the brand, uh, to keep her out of the spotlight when she's stressed out. Uh, this body double is named Melissa Vandella. Uh, that is the name of the alleged body double of Avril Lavigne. Melissa Vandella and Avril become fast friends. I mean, probably not just looking like each other. They're around the same age. They maybe share some sensibilities. And because they become fast friends, uh, Melissa is around Avril a lot of the time when she's not out doubling for Avril. Uh, and at some point, Avril really has a downfall. Um, she goes through a lot of stress of making her second album, a follow-up to to everything that everyone was expecting. Uh, maybe people say her grandfather dies. Some say her parents divorce. Uh, you mix that all together with all the pressure she's feeling. She goes into a depression. And according to this theory, she takes her own life. But the brand stays. She's too popular. Uh, and so the double, Melissa Vandella, is brought into the spotlight and replaces Avril Lavigne. Let me give you some more facts uh, that people allege uh, as evidence of this. Avril Lavigne's look drastically changes over the years. She goes from this pop punk princess to blonde hair, and she starts wearing uh, different clothes. Uh, her nose looks different. Uh, she has different freckles or blemishes. Uh, her makeup style is so significantly different that people wonder if her eyes are different. Her height is allegedly different. Her signature allegedly changes. All of these things people have documented extensively as evidence of this theory. Also, there's evidence in the lyrics on some of these songs. Uh, My Happy Ending, uh, Slipped Away, Nobody's Home. Uh, These are the songs people often point to. Uh, In Slipped Away, for example, the lyric is, the day you slipped away was the day I found it wouldn't be the same. Now you are gone, there you go, somewhere I can't bring you back. Uh, And there are other lyrics. Her feelings she hides, her dreams she cannot find. She's losing her mind, she was left behind. She cannot find her place, she's losing her faith. (laughs) <laughs> I wish I would too, but I don't know how the songs go, Akiva. Uh, and the, you, guy, was, you know this? Do you know the songs? Are you an Avril Lavigne of fan? Of course. Yeah. Who else? Oh. First of all, everyone. Everyone <laughs> is, is an Avril Lavigne breaking fan. Breaking news. Yeah. Well, I guess you're about <laughs> the same Nobody's age, right? Nobody's home. I, I, I don't. We have to get Phil T back on and ask if we could say the word slaps. If Rob and I can get away with saying the word slaps. Slaps. But I think. Why not? I think her her music, her early music, slaps. Can you say that it's a bop? Is there a bop in there? I, I definitely, I'm, we could ask Phil T. There's no way I can get away with saying it's a bop. I don't th- what do you think, Rob? Can we say it's, I don't, th- I think you have to be in your 20s to say it's a bop. Sorry. Huh. But bop, like, uh, like the Hanson brothers? Yeah, it's an umbop. Yeah. Mm-bop. Oh, boy. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, I am or 20s or, or below, with this. I think. Yeah, disassociating with this. I think you can also be in your 80s and say something as a bop by the for the record, because oh, that's true. I think you could, that's true. You say it if you were listening to yeah. music at like sock hops in, mm-hmm. and drinking malteds in the 1950s. You can call yeah. it a bop. Uh, but it's either that it's 80s or 20s. That's, it's who, no that's how the new Mets pitching coach relates to the players. <laughs> it's a what bop. A, can I 
Can I ask a question? What like I've heard of a sock hop, but what was it? Was it a party where you wore socks and danced? Seems to be about right. Listen, I don't know. Or, or did people get in socks like a potato sack race, uh, like giant socks? I have no idea. I thought a sock um, hop was like a yeah. burger place. So it's but a dance for young question? teenagers at which they may dance in stocking feet. Okay. Yeah. Take All the right. shoes off. Live a little. All right. Mm hmm. Yeah. So if you were doing that, you might be listening to bops uh, and some of the bops you might encounter uh, in the late 90s were Avril Lavigne songs. It was too much for my happy ending. Let's talk about this. It's not like what we're, we are dead. Was it something I did? Was it something you said? Don't leave me waiting in a city so dead, hanging so high on such a fragile rope. People believe if you want to believe that this conspiracy is out there, that for some reason, uh, evidence of the conspiracy was written into these songs. <laughs> um, don't ask me why, I guess, to make the fans a little more interested in it happening. Uh, but there is some evidence uh, of the looks being different. Uh, I will say Celebrity has a high cost, uh, especially, unfortunately, with regard to women uh, who are asked and expected and believed to look a certain way. Uh, some of that is changing, but especially with someone like Avril Lavigne, who came up in the late 90s, uh, it was definitely more of a uh, cross to bear uh, than something to be happy about. So some of this theory seems to be rooted in the very rightful choice that she's made uh, to change her look over the years. Uh, and people are associating that with uh, the fact that it might be somebody different. Now, I will say one of the biggest pieces of evidence in my belief, even though Avril Lavigne is from Canada, is that the pop punk princess married Chad Kroger from Nickelback. To me, <laughs> that can't be the same person. Uh, but this is this is the theory. I mean, this is this is the the Brazilian site that published this also broke this down in great detail. Uh, they have a lot of evidence uh, where they cite the vocal differences. Uh, her voice being higher in cer at certain times when the original Avril, Avril 1 was around uh, versus Avril 2. One of the parts of this theory to try to make sense of the fact that a person could replace a person with legitimate talent, a person who was hired to be a body double, uh, was that at some point Avril and Melissa were such good friends that Avril trained, quote unquote, Melissa to sing like her as though that's mm. something that can happen. Um, Avril has taken publicity photos with Melissa written on her hand. Uh, and maybe that's evidence that Melissa is inside and wants to be known as the real thing. Uh, Avril has been asked about this publicly. She fumbled through the response. And then the subsequent live performance she gave after she gave that response was went off the rails. It was problematic. Wow. I, I can find no video of this, but allegedly this has happened. Um, mm. I don't know. The, the thing is, if you want to believe this theory, you have to believe that someone was hired to look like someone, uh, someone with legitimate talent, Avril Lavigne, uh, was hired to look like Avril Lavigne. And then when Avril Lavigne disappeared, she was able to continue performing music, the double. Uh, and so I guess that brings to question is all music uh, is, is essentially BS. Like is all music so produced that you can really hire anyone to come in uh, and perform it and make it sound good. And if yes. that's the case, if that's the case, if you believe that Rob, can we do uh, Robin Akiva need a podcast episode where you guys <laughs> no, podcasts are different. You could never get away with podcasts. <laughs> well, I want you. No, I want you guys to record a hit single. That's what Although, I, want. I want. I do wonder, could, could Akiva hire a body double to go in and stand in for him during the 32 fans ice cream tournament so ah. he can get out of eating all the ice cream? Yeah. Can someone be my pinch eater? That would be very helpful. <laughs> 
because eater. I think that a lot of people uh, don't know exactly what Akiva looks like. They've met him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And then True. so, you know, if you could get a guy who looks enough like Akiva with a baseball yeah. hat to sit God there bless that guy. and eat the ice cream, <laughs> Having a tough uh, could, he, could he fake his way through it? There's only one way to know, and that's to test this theory out. Uh, yeah. and I, we, we will never know. The thing is, we won't know. If it's a success mm-hmm. uh, and Akiva pulls that off, then we won't know that it happened. And he can say after the fact that that's what happened. Uh, if it's a failure and he's called out for it, uh, I, I guess we would find that out. But the only way we can find out is to try. That's all I can say. Uh, and it is complicated, for sure. Uh, it, just like Avril Lavigne, for the record. Okay. And, some of the some of the aspects of this theory trend into other celebrity theories. You jokingly, Rob, referenced uh, the replacement Diesel and the replacement Razor Ramon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember when I was younger, uh, people decided that it, when Akiva, you said the under faker, people people said that it wasn't the original Undertaker, right? That the guy who yeah. fought. Uh, the first time in the WWE was is not the person we know now that's nearly uh, killing Bill Goldberg for blood money in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> so I, I don't know if this is to be something fair, a that lot is of blood money. In their- a lot of blood. To be fair, it was a lot of blood money. Right. <laughs> they say that about the Ultimate Warrior too. Like oh, exactly. The they said guy. his heart exploded, uh, which it later did, obviously. Did. But they said it yes. happened when Fun he fact. was younger. It probably yeah. would have been better if the original James Helwig had uh, gone that way uh, and we had a replacement come in. Uh, but this is something that happens. The most famous musical conspiracy theory of this type is probably Paul McCartney being dead uh, and dying in a car crash uh, and in it being referenced throughout Beatles lore. And we had a very extensive submission uh, come in uh, on the Conspirapod line, essentially, which I don't know how people call that line. I'm a little concerned. Uh, but but we had an extensive submission with numerous citations uh, come in with all these uh, hit lyrics and everything that came through. And this is from Bob with two Bs. Uh, this is a theory that I knew a lot about when I was younger and I subscribed to at a time. Uh, if you're a Beatles fan, you've probably heard this before. And there's things like evidence on all the album covers from Sgt. Pepper's to Magical Mystery Tour to Abbey Road uh, to to everything. The, the Beatles themselves had fun with it. Uh, John Lennon in, in Glass Onion says, the, the, I have another clue for you all. The walrus was Paul. Basically saying, since you're looking for clues in our music here, we're going to have fun with this. Avril maybe writing Melissa on her hand is similar to that, having fun with the theory. But she seems to be upset about it. The theory that, that started on this Brazilian blog was later retracted by the Brazilian blogger. But in true modern fashion, all the stands uh, who followed this theory responded to that blog post and said, this is fake. Who hacked your site? Uh, you can't now, you, you can't, how can you undo all the evidence you presented? I, you, you don't, you know, you're, you didn't, this, you can't retract this theory. It's too late. The truth is out there. So uh, Avril Lavigne uh, is either Melissa <laughs> or she's not. Uh, and if Melissa Vandela is Avril Lavigne, I guess, does it matter? Like if people still like the music and still associate happiness with, with Avril Lavigne, I, I, I don't know if it matters who Avril Lavigne really is. It could really be anyone. Uh, there's been like a million people in Menudo, I think, or some of these <laughs> right. other groups like, yeah, the temptations have had dozens of members. Like, does it really matter who the person is that's singing the music if people like it and, and they have positive associations with it? I'm not sure, but it seems like it matters to Avril Lavigne who says like, why do people think I'm dead? Like, why do people want to know this? Uh, and this is a, this is certainly, like I said, it's something that has happened before ever Levine. It's something that will happen after Levine. Twitter makes it worse. Facebook makes it worse. And 
here we are with a lot of people believing that Avril Lavigne has died. When you talked about it, Rob, on News AF, um, was it in response to the, the theory trending on Twitter at some point? Yeah, I don't remember exactly what the news item was, but it was something that I think that had been uh, submitted to us to talk about. But here's my big question with this. Uh, you know, as as you know, you mentioned like, well, you know, what's the harm? You know, uh, who, who cares if it's really her or not? But I think there's really two interpretations of this theory of one that you have a Melissa who stepped into the void that was left behind when Avril tragically took her own life and that she has continued to live out the, you know, legend and the legacy of Avril Lavigne and and gone on to make you know, millions of people happy with uh, the continued career of Avril Lavigne when the original Avril Lavigne very uh, sadly and and tragically uh, took her own life. But my double down on the conspiracy theory, I I would ask you then if the original Avril Lavigne was gone, who would stand to gain the most from the original Avril Lavigne being around. And I ask you, Antonio, is it possible that Avril Lavigne did not, in fact, take her own life, but might have been the victim of foul play? It's a fair question. There are some proponents are some people who support this theory, who suggest that Melissa may have had a role in it. Honestly, this is some some deep, deep, dark stuff here. She'd have a lot to gain. Yep. That that is uh, that there's motive. There's certainly opportunity Uh, The means could be there. Um, People suggested that they had a close bond, that maybe Melissa was the only person who could understand what Avril went through because Melissa was out there as Avril. Uh, She saw what that life was like and that Melissa preyed upon that to an extent. Uh, And maybe Avril's big mistake was, quote unquote, training Melissa to sing like her because once Melissa could fully replace her, there was no real reason. uh, And Melissa helped or encouraged Avril to go through with the act. Uh, that is that is something people suggest. Uh, those are, those people are dark. Uh, they have dark thoughts in their heads. They have dark thoughts in their brains. I'm not saying you are, Rob, uh, but it is it is something that's part of this theory. Some people do believe that uh, that there was certainly motive and opportunity for Melissa to do that. I would say, in counter to that, if I were to play devil's advocate on that front, that for this theory to be true, there are, do have to be, and this is the thing you want to think about with all conspiracy theories. How many people are part of it? How many people know this story? How big does the cover up go? Because the bigger it is, the harder it is to keep under wraps. Certainly the people that benefit from this are the people that would directly benefit from the sales of Avril Lavigne's music uh, and from the continued promotion of her image, namely record companies that are involved with Avril Lavigne, her management uh, and her family. And the question I would say is, if Melissa was directly involved in this, what you're saying is people, including Avril Lavigne's family, are willing to put that aside uh, to continue to make money off of the Avril Lavigne image. I'm not saying that's not possible. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that's part of what you have to accept if you accept that Melissa had an acknowledged role in this and it's just gone by the wayside. Hmm. Yeah, it seems unlikely. Do they does the uh, Brazilian blog, did it have anything about her tattoos? Doesn't she have a lot of tattoos? There's a little bit about the tattoos. There was more about natural blemishes and moles, uh, specifically on her arm. There was a lot of mole patrol uh, <laughs> going on. Uh, perhaps Josh Wiggler could play a role in this. Uh, but that was that was something that 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 was that was really highlighted, specifically the moles. 
uh, by saying on this picture, you can see the moles on this picture by comparison, the same arm, you don't see all the moles. What's going on here? I suppose Photoshop could have been going on there, but we don't know. The person who retracted the blog said, basically, everything I presented there was true, but I was doing this to show you that you can cherry pick true evidence to make people believe on the internet, whatever they, whatever you want them to believe. But I didn't make any of it up. Everything I put in there in terms of my quote unquote, factual evidence was true. And like I said, some of that stuff doesn't play as well on podcasts, but there are vocal comparisons. Uh, the height, as I said, is is different uh, and listed differently in different places. Her signature, you can see examples of allegedly has changed. And certainly the drastic look has changed. Uh, people were basically saying like, there's no way that our pop punk queen would ever sell out, quote unquote, the mm -hmm. way that the Avril image has. And to that, I would say pop punk in and of itself is selling out. So I don't know exactly what people expect uh, from that, but it has, that is, that is why people want to believe the thing because yes. Avril Levine has changed for sure. And it's easier to believe this conspiracy theory than to believe that Avril has sold out to the man. Right. Or to, you know, acknowledge the very real natural gender biases society has against people who are put on a pedestal for uh, the way they look, especially women uh, and who that for whom that is a major part of uh, what they're doing. And that Sia, for example, tries to skewer a little bit by covering her face or the Lady Gaga over time uh, has has made comments or commentary about through the way she looks. Uh, Avril Lavigne has changed. There's no doubt her look has changed, but people get plastic surgery because society expects them to continue to look a certain type of appealing way. Uh, especially people for whom their look is important. So I think without acknowledging that people just assume it's a different person uh, instead of acknowledging some very real things about society uh, that may be harder to confront, uh, harder to put a rope around. Uh, part of the reason that people believe or want to believe stories uh, is to, it fills a psychological need uh, that they have or that they know they have subconsciously, uh, but they're filling it with a, an explanation that makes them feel better uh, than the truth. And so that might be what's in play here with Avril. And like I said, it also is on a continuum with all these stories about fake celebrity deaths uh, or celebrities being replaced by doubles uh, that, that permeate throughout our culture. Avril just happens to be one that people of a certain age uh, really, I think, connect to in a certain type of way. Okay. Akiva, what's your level of buying the Avril Lavigne body double conspiracy? What was our scale last time? Was it zero to 10? I think it was zero to 10. It was zero to 10, like some things though, like zero to 10, uh, like uh, Coke twos. <laughs> something, something like that. I don't <laughs> Do you remember? I don't remember. I like zero to 10 Coke twos though. We'll, we'll, we, that's in the news, by the way. We'll talk about that in a little while. Yeah, I think that Michael Jordan was first though. So I think that it had to be something about like uh, basketballs. Oh yeah, it was basketballs, I think. Uh, I'm going to say 3.2 out of 10, only because I just don't see what the family would have in covering it up. Um, if she, it, obviously if she was uh, murdered, which I certainly don't believe, but let's, I, if this was Lady Gaga or, or, um, you know, a real A plus plus list celebrity where so many people's careers relied on their success, I'd say fine. And I'm not knocking Avril who I've said, I, you know, her music uh, slaps, it's a bop, but, uh, <laughs> I just, just don't know it. if. I don't. First of all, I feel like more information would have come out in the in the interim in the in the last twenty years or whenever. When does it presuppose she dies? Because she starts in ninety nine. Yeah, it presupposes she dies sometime right around the recording of her second album. Uh, it's like so a four just in, or something. 
Yeah, just like, well, no, I think a little bit even, uh, yeah, somewhere maybe in the 04 range. That's right. Mm -hmm. I just think, uh, you know, there's too many people who, who would have something to say. And think about it. At a certain point, she should just like come out and say it, Melissa, if it's true. And then, uh, you know, she could be entitled to like what percentage of Avril Lavigne's money do you think she gets versus because obviously the family has to be incentivized not to say anything. You got to pay a lot of people off. Got to keep that cash cow coming in, though. Yeah, of course. So then is Melissa only getting like 20 percent? I mean, you know, at a certain point, she's going to, you know, it's not going to be worth it for her anymore. Yeah. I tax fraud involved also, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I would say I'm probably right around the same area about uh, three basketballs for the Avril Lavigne conspiracy theory. If Melissa truly was uh, this, you know, a benevolent, great friend to Avril, then she, too, would have known the toll that uh, this life would take on her. I'm not sure necessarily if she would want to just uh, jump right in and assume the mantle of uh, this ultimate uh, terrible torture that caused Avril to take her own life and then jump right in. I, I was sort of buying it a little bit more when there was foul play, but you're right that if the family, what would they have to gain of seeing uh, the person who was responsible in sort of this murder plot, then take the Avril Lavigne title and run with it. So uh, I'm kind of out on the Avril conspiracies. And unfortunately, I mean, I'm my, I'm, I don't feel like I have a job here, but in, in researching it to me, the big issue is that if you hire a body double then all of a sudden they're a singer and they can play instruments and so right. to buy it you have to almost accept that this entire form of music can just be faked now uh, if I she was think, cloned that would be a different story well maybe that'll you know how history changes things maybe in 70 years the version of this will be that she was cloned once we are cloning humans uh that will be something we can play or she's a replicant of some sort if you told me she there was a fake britney i do think i'd 100 percent believe it though why do you think you'd feel differently about Britney V versus um, Avril or the story? Auto-tune? Be- there's no, yeah, there's more auto-tune. She doesn't play an instrument. I'm not knocking Britney Spears' talent, but I also think like there's so much weird stuff already going on with her family, right, that we know about. And I mean, there's a lot of reports where she'll play a concert and she will not speak. Like she'll say thank you or like, n- like hi, you know, Buffalo, but that's the only word she'll say the entire night. So hmm. why wouldn't if you were trying to cover up that you weren't the person, um, you know, d- do something like that? Uh, also, I want it's funny because body doubles are like openly prevalent in acting, right? Like every right. Uh, every like I'm, I'm sure every single person in the Avengers had like their own body double or what, you know, someone who just stands on set who looks like them in addition to a stunt double. Right. But I don't know. Lighting double. Um, a lighting double. I don't know, like with musicians, how popular it is. There's a lot. There's also a lot of tweets. Um, let's say like once every few months about uh, Melania Trump having a body double. Right. Yeah. Fake like, Melania. Trump will right. give a speech and it'll and maybe she just looks different from certain angles. But it's like they'll oh, they'll be like a viral tweet like that's not Melania. Yeah. But there was also <laughs> a lot of that with Hillary Clinton. Also. Oh, sure. So, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if uh, didn't they say Saddam Hussein used to have like 20 body doubles. Like, right. It wouldn't shock me if if uh, like at that level of politics, they 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 do have body doubles. Right. I think if we're in on one body double, we have to be in on all the body yeah, doubles and I'm not ready to be in on all the body doubles. So I say mm-hmm. I am out on the body double conspiracies. OK. 
Interesting. Well, speaking of doubles, uh, I would like to talk about sports next, specifically baseball. Uh, the name I have for this in my notes, I probably shouldn't read out on the podcast, uh, but it is a conspiracy theory about Cal Ripken and Kevin Costner. Now, when I say those two names together, are either of you mm. familiar with what I might be about to talk about? Are you saying that Kevin Costner was Cal Ripken Jr.'s body double and then <laughs> there were times during the streak that Cal Ripken sat out and Kevin Costner actually played shortstop for the Orioles? <laughs> now, if I were to say that, which I'm not going to, but if I were to say that, it almost seems believable. If yeah. you were to make a movie of Cal Ripken's life, especially the the Cal Ripken that, that was in popular culture from, let's say, 1983 till 2000, Kevin Costner's probably the guy you bring in for that role. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's more believable than the Avril stuff because uh, Cal Ripken was very much defined by the streak. Couldn't let the streak go by the wayside. Couldn't let the streak go by the wayside. That is correct. The streak was the defining element of Cal Ripken's career. For those of you who are unfamiliar, the streak is that Cal Ripken uh, has the Major League Baseball record for playing in the most consecutive games. Uh, Lou Gehrig previously held the record of the New York Yankees. Uh, he played in 2,130 games in a row. Uh, for context, baseball plays 162 games per season. Uh, back in Gehrig's time, I, it was not that. I think it was 154 for most of that, or maybe even a little less. Uh, but Cal Ripken, has, he broke Lou Gehrig's record with 2,131 on September 6, 1995. He continued his streak until September 20th, 1998. Uh, but it is what happens on August 14th, 1997, that I want to talk about here. August 14th, 1997, uh, the Orioles were scheduled to play the Mariners when a lighting malfunction caused the cancellation of the game. Uh, first, the game was delayed. It was like a seven o'clock start. Uh, there, the lights kept shorting out. The electrical board kept shorting out. Eventually, they got most of the lights to come back on except for one bank of lights. Uh, and the game was at 10 o'clock uh, postponed that evening. So how does Cal Ripken figure into this? Well, Cal Ripken was in the middle of his streak at that time. As I said, he broke it in 1995, but he was still going until 1998. So on August 14th, 1997, the most marketable aspect of the Baltimore Orioles was Cal Ripken and his streak. Uh, and that would have been a streak game. That would have been a game that he was playing in to continue his streak. The theory is that the lighting malfunction never happened or that it was caused to allow the streak to continue. Now, I'm sure you're asking yourself at this point, how the hell does Kevin Costner figure into this? Uh, Kevin Costner's not playing baseball. Kevin Costner's not on the Orioles. Uh, Kevin Costner is not Cal Ripken. However, Kevin Costner and Cal Ripken were very good friends. They met at a premiere uh, for Dances with Wolves, and they became what uh, Costner described as burgeoning friends. Uh, this included Kevin Costner taking batting practice and fielding practice with the Orioles. He's playing catch on the sidelines. He's doing outfield exercises. He's batting and taking grounders with Cal Ripken. Like I said, if someone were going to play Cal Ripken in a movie at that point, it probably should have been Kevin Costner. Uh, Kevin Costner was also seen at many Orioles games, sitting in the stands with Cal Ripken's wife, Kelly. Um, the families lived about an hour apart in Maryland. Uh, and Wait, they, so who's, whose wife is Kelly? That uh, Kelly is... Uh, Cal Ripken's wife. Yeah. Kelly is Cal Ripken's wife, yeah. Kelly Ripken. Akiva, Famously, uh, if you were named Cal, could you date a woman named Kelly? Well, yeah, I think if your name was Kel, you couldn't date Kelly. But I think Cal and Kelly, and it, it's a scene of K. I think you could do it. 
Okay. We'd have, we'd have to, let's call up the babynames.com lady later and we can ask yeah. her. <laughs> Tony, do you have a call? Is, is this cute or weird? I think it's fine unless they go by Cal and Kel, in which case it's weird, unless they're on the Amazing Race. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> it just seems like Cal and Kel would be an Amazing Race team uh, or close to perhaps a uh, Nickelodeon sketch comedy show, uh, but it would not be a great, cute couple name. It would be pretty annoying and it would be something that you would want to avoid. But Cal and Kelly were, in fact, a couple. Um, prior to this game cancellation issue in early 1997, they were a famous couple, I should say. One of the famous issue, images of Cal Ripken's streak uh, is him going over to his wife uh, and the looks uh, they share uh, when the record is broken and all the, the adulation. Um, so the, the, it's, it's a very natural, uh, great moment. And so they were a famous couple. She was supportive of him very publicly at, at the games. As I said, spotted watching games with Kevin Costner um, and just there. She's known. She's a celebrity uh, in in among Orioles fans as much as uh, anybody could be in that role. Uh, and so when in 19, early 1997, rumors started to swirl around that uh, Ripkins were having marital problems. Uh, and that uh -oh. is something that was talked about at the time. Yeah, uh, this is foreboding. Uh, this is definitely foreboding. You can see the clouds on the horizon. Um, Kevin Costner was staying at, uh, allegedly, staying at the home of the Ripkins after shooting the postman. Uh, on the day of August 14th, 97, the uh -oh. theory goes... Cal Ripken leaves for the game. Uh, unfortunately for Cal Ripken, for Kelly Ripken, and for Kevin Costner, Cal Ripken forgets something, comes home, and what he finds at home is Kevin Costner uh, and Kelly Ripken in flagrante delecto, as they say, uh, in bed, uh, catches them in bed. Cal Ripken goes... If you just build insane. it. Yeah, he filled oh, no. the role, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He beat the streak. Um, this is... This is something that causes Cal Ripken to go into a rage. He beats up Kevin Costner uh, <laughs> so bad that Costner can't make public appearances for weeks. Uh, and Ripken calls the Orioles and says, hey, guess what, guys? Uh, some bad stuff went down. I can't play tonight. Uh, the streak is done. And the Orioles say, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. And thus, an electrical malfunction happens. Uh, thus, a game is canceled. Thus, a streak is preserved. And thus, a theory is okay. posited. All right. Have Kevin Costner and Cal Ripken been spotted together since this date in 1997? Not to my knowledge. Uh, mm. I cannot verify that. And I can also give you some more facts surrounding that. Both parties have publicly denied it. Uh, in typical fashion, in, in keeping with what I was talking about with Avril Lavigne earlier, no one seems to care about what Kelly Ripken has to say on this matter, unfortunately. Uh, so I do not have any evidence of what Kelly Ripken might have said about this. I will add the fact that Kelly Ripken and Cal Ripken are now divorced. Uh, it wasn't right after this fact. It was a long time after this fact. But as of this recording, they are in fact divorced uh, and separated and no longer married. Yeah. So in Kevin Costner's denial of this, basically, from what I understand, a Fox Sports uh, radio show was talking about this. Uh, and the next day, Kevin Costner calls in and basically threatens them with physical harm and says, this never happened. Uh, I, I can tell you it never happened. And by the way, I only met Kelly Ripken a couple of times. I spent maybe 10 minutes with her total. Uh, this is demonstrably false. It's not, uh, it's not an alibi. 
Yeah, this, this is yeah, a good point. The 10 minutes could have been a very specific 10 minutes, uh, but they, they were seen sitting together at baseball games. Like this is something that even Snopes, uh, who, who d- attempts to debunk this theory, uh, known for their debunking of theories like this, acknowledge that Costner and Ripken were spotted together at, at baseball games sitting together. So for him to say he only spent maybe 10 minutes where they're total doesn't fly. So his denial is a denial, but it doesn't really pass total muster in Cal Ripken's denial. What Cal Ripken says is, look, I, I, I'm sure you can point out that I was at that game that night. Like I was in uniform and I was there. Uh, you could see, probably see me on the field. Fans saw me on the field. Like you, I, I, for that, for people to say, I didn't show up to the park that night and I wasn't at the game. That's, that's, that's garbage. Like I was there. He doesn't say it didn't happen. I mean, he doesn't say it didn't happen. He says, you can see that I was at the game that that night. What I would posit is sure. Like you could put a uniform on and stomp around knowing that the game was going to be canceled. I, as evidence, you were in the, the, at, at the game that night. What I would also say is that there's no evidence of this. People, including the Snopes theory, take Cal Ripken at his word. Uh, the Snopes theory, the Snopes debunking of this links, no newspaper articles citing that Cal Ripken was there. They link no video showing that Cal Ripken was there. They link no evidence showing that Cal Ripken was there. Uh, They cite Cal Ripken saying Cal Ripken was there, and they cite media reports and fan reports that Cal Ripken was there, but they don't link to them. So I have no way to verify with a second source from any of this that this is actually true, uh, that Ripken was there, or even if he was there, that he was prepared to play in the game. Uh, And all I can say is, Kevin Costner's denial doesn't really pass muster. Cal Ripken's denial is I was there, which he could certainly be there and still not have been prepared to play in the game from an emotional standpoint, from a mental standpoint. Um, there's, there's just no real evidence that establishes either, either of their theories. Uh, I would also say that I distinctly personally remember when I first heard this theory, the first debunking of it that I read was that there was never a game canceled in any time frame during the streak, you know, mysteriously. That any of the games that were canceled were canceled due to weather, etc. I'm now reading that there was this game that was canceled for this electrical purpose. I might be a part of a Mandela effect here that I'm remembering this differently, but when I first heard this theory, I remember it being debunked by, by saying that there was never a game canceled mysteriously. When it turns out there absolutely was a game that was mysteriously canceled. So uh, that is something that is personal to me, but I'm wondering if anyone else has heard this theory, if you remember it that way as well, or if this is a Mandela effect, Berenstain kind of thing where I'm remembering something and it just wasn't that way. But I I can't let this go without saying that the first time I heard this, it was debunked by them saying there was never a game mysteriously canceled when in fact there was. So what questions do you guys have about this particular theory? Yeah, I think, first of all, for people who are not big baseball fans, for the basic questions of would the Orioles be incentivized to do this? The answer is a billion percent. Yes. Even though this was, uh, do you know the uh, number of games uh, into the streak? Did you say it? And I missed it. Um, well, so, was it, so like- it was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 2300 because he breaks 2131 on September, September of 95. Uh-huh. Uh, and then in August of August 14th, 97 is when this happened. So it's probably more like 2400. Yeah, I mean, it was a big deal. I, I would say if it happened before uh, bef- before the 2100s, then I'd say like their incentive was through the moon, right? Like they right. for the streak to be to be, you know, to end before he broke the record, everyone would have just been beyond depressed. The 
it, the streak was credited with saving baseball because it happened right after uh, baseball came back from the strike and was really right. struggling. Um, and uh, it's hard the for streak you, know, you guys baseball? remember that people say that. Yeah. And then, I mean, the streak, the streak and then Maguire Sosa. But mm-hmm. the streak at the time, I mean, I think Chris Berman yelled it that night. Like it was such a big deal. Um, it, you know, ESPN like broadcast the game in primetime, even yeah. though it wasn't on their schedule. It's a really big. It was a really big deal. The, the 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 game where he tied it and then the game where he broke it and hit a home run in the game where he broke it. Yeah. Back, 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 back. So their incentive to do it beforehand would have been like, you know, infinity dollars that they could have earned, I'm sure, in merchandise and and, you know, fans coming out to the park and who knows what tickets sold for those two nights. Um, But I I also think it would be easy, like if if the owner or a general manager or some president told one or two employees they could have shut the lights off without a, you know, a mass worldwide conspiracy. You know, it's possible Cal Ripken didn't even know. He just like, and he probably realized he probably in this story, right? He calls up, says, I can't play. And then he, and then he probably does the math of how they shut the light. So it is certainly very plausible. Yeah. I uh, would buy this. Uh, I, I don't see anything here that is uh, making, giving me pause and, <laughs> It, uh, it makes a lot of sense. So uh, I'm, I'm very, very strong on this one. Yeah, I'm the, not the only three anything. parties, the only three parties that know the infidelity rumor are never going to admit to the infidelity. So we're never going to get right. The the uh, truth out of any of those three. People. Yeah. Antonio, do we know uh, what was Costner's marital status at the time? That's a good question. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure on that because you're right. There could be a fourth party involved here uh, in terms of the, the infidelity or knowing about the infidelity or being concerned about the infidelity, just looking on like his IMD or I'm sorry, on his Wikipedia page. He is uh, definitely I, a way, a ladies man, right? Like he's yeah. been married a lot of times. He's got a Trumpian, like I think seven kids with three women. Only thing Wikipedia says is in 1996, he lived with supermodel L McPherson. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a married to, uh, and that's nine. Yeah. That's a year before. So 1996 L McPherson, if, if you're cheating on her, you will cheat on anybody at any time. <laughs> it's a very fair point. <laughs> uh, that's a very fair point. And I, so I don't know. He's, you know, he's just filmed the postman allegedly. I don't know where, where he's at. So you're saying his decision-making is questionable. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was getting at. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but probably seeking emotional comfort and support at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're certainly ripe for this sort of thing to happen. I, I'm not burying anything with this theory. As I said, the, the, if you wanted to argue from a devil's advocate standpoint, the, the infidelity cost, the infidelity Ripken rumors were swirling before the cancellation of this game. Mm-hmm. And it seems as though the mysterious cancellation of the game, combined with the infidelity rumors, combined with the Costner closeness to the Ripkins, uh, is ultimately where this thing comes from, if it's not just true. Uh, and if it's just true, then what you probably have is, you probably have one or two of those two employees who were asked to shut the lights off, basically saying, like, well, this is what happened. And... It's not being backed up by anybody with enough clout to make it believable. Nobody wants to own it, uh, but the story is out there. So that I, I don't, like I said, I don't really have anything that I'm, that I'm downplaying here. This to me uh, is pretty plausible as well. So major league baseball guys, don't you think like they would have been happy? Like, yeah, they might've like, let's say this came out, right? Let's say 
one of the light guys uh, broke and spoke to the New York Post about it. And like Major League Baseball public would have been like, oh, they're in trouble. We're finding them privately. They would have been thrilled because like the streak, you know, hey, like do you got to do what you do to keep alive, keep the streak alive. And the streak doesn't end for about two more years. Right. It goes into the 26s. Yeah, it, he goes he goes into twenty six hundred. He doesn't. I mean, it goes another year, uh, a year and change. So he, he plays another year and change with the streak after this. Can we take a minute to stop down for some IMD bags on Kevin Costner? Because let's do it. Yeah, I think that the uh, specifically like the uh, post uh, millennium Kevin Costner record is uh, extremely troublesome of uh, the two thousands. I mean, could you give me the highlights here from the past twenty years, especially the last decade? I mean, that he uh, is going to famously be in Man of Steel as uh, Superman's dad, but other th- other than that, I didn't even is that so famous? I didn't even know he was in Man of Steel. Yeah, I think he had dad. sort of like a uh, you know um, a, a featured role, but. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that the big one you probably point to is draft day, uh, which has been well, that, that's like after his slump. Right. I think the postman is such a flop. Uh, and that's 1997. Yeah. Well, I'm saying Waterworld and the postman. He becomes a little bit of a joke. He he does a baseball movie, right? Yeah. For the love uh, of the, the game, love of the game. But he really um, he re- like he really is. You're right. He's not in another big movie. What's Field of Dreams too? It's a short. I movie. think it's probably like a like yeah, a sketch, yeah. like a funny or die something. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. He's not been the star. He was he was uh, Chastain's Jessica Chastain's dad in Molly's Game, which I saw and I didn't even realize. <laughs> He's in Yellowstone, which is on like the Sundance Network so, or something like yeah. that. So I was going to ask Antonio, have you ever heard of the TV show Yellowstone, which is uh, into season three on the Paramount Network. Yeah, this yeah. is wild because I will tell you, I have heard of Yellowstone. I know no one who watched Yellowstone. It is one of the most, it, its first season was one of the most critically acclaimed shows that year. And yet I know no one who watched it. I heard it's a beautiful to look at show. Uh, I have not heard anything else about it other than it was very critically acclaimed in its first season. Uh, and I would argue, just based on looking at that list, uh, it is the most notor- no- notable thing that Costner has done since Waterworld or The Postman in terms of receiving actual acclaim. So I have heard of it, but I don't know anyone who's watched it. And if you told me that it wasn't real and it was a, an experiment and it was made up to see if you could just make a, a show seem popular have with no one having seen it, <laughs> I would believe you. I would believe you. I don't even know how Perhaps to get the Paramount Network. Yeah, I think it used to be something else. It used to be like Spike, maybe. Hmm. I think it used to be Spike TV. Uh, the only Kevin Costner movie looking at his IMDb that I've seen in the theater is my step grandma took 10 year old Uncle Kiwi to uh, a perfect world with Kevin Costner and Clint Eastwood. Not an appropriate movie for a 10 year old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've seen a Kevin Costner film in the movie theater. Oh my gosh! Never seen a single draft one day. in the movie theater. I've actually never seen Draft Day. Yeah, I know Bill Simmons talks about it a lot. Yeah, I feel like I've Very seen one of, those, one of those movies. I feel like I've seen. Yeah, just from people talking about it. Yeah. Okay, so I I think we're in on this one. Uh, the uh, philandering Kevin Costner sleeping with Cal Ripken Jr.'s wife. I'm going to warn you, as I said, when he got word that this theory was being talked about on a Fox sports show, he called in the next day and threatened physical harm. 
So you just might want to be careful with uh, our app episodes, you know, 40, 41, 42. Well, what about the live one, especially? <laughs> yeah, he knows exactly where you're going to be. I mean, can you imagine if we're yeah. doing a live show in Minnesota? Kevin Costner comes in, just whoops both our asses. <laughs> yeah, he knows that we're going to be in Minnesota. He'll be here yeah. visiting my wife. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, More no. afraid of that. Oh, oh no. Yeah. The podcast like streak Ripken, is in jeopardy. Yeah, more scared of. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, worried. You guys know the Billy Ripken, what Billy Ripken's famous for, right? Billy Ripken was Cal's younger brother, who was also the baseball in the major card. League, for listeners who don't know. Yeah. He has his middle finger up in, in his baseball card. That's what he's most famous for. <laughs> he has a, written on the knob of his bat. Two oh, words. sorry. Yeah, that's a bad word. Yeah. yeah, it's not a middle. Somebody yeah. else has a middle finger. He's, the, got, uh, he's got the F word, I think. He's, uh, yeah, yeah, he has F face written on the knob of his bat. And it got out there on the baseball cards into the public. Uh, <laughs> Is that his one nickname? One of the more famous. I don't remember who did it. I think it was a prank uh, by a fellow uh, player. So uh, yeah, but it, it might've been his nickname. Uh, it might've been his nickname. It might've been a family nickname. I'm not sure about what, that. Guys, would a hothead be more likely to threaten to beat people up if they were telling a fake story about his, let's say at that point, estranged, soon to be divorced wife sleeping with a celebrity? Or if it was real or fake, basically, would it, would it, or, or if a hothead just would probably threaten to beat you up, uh, from you know. Costner's well, perspective, it's part of the story is that he whoops Costner afterwards, right? Yes. So, I mean, I feel I feel like he just might be like a whoop people's ass guy. We should really look out, Rob. Who? I don't Cal, think this story, who's I, I who's whooping asses? Cal Ripken or Kevin Costner? Cal Cal Ripken beat up Kevin Costner afterwards, right? But and then, right. but then Antonio's saying that Kevin Costner threatened to beat up the was it the best damn sports show ever? I, I'm not sure who it was, but it was Fox oh, I thought Sports Ripken Radio. Called in? No, Kevin Costner called in. Oh, the, the only like celebrities calling into shows to defend their honor never works out. Do you remember Corey Lytle, the Yankees pitcher, Mike and the Mad Dog were demolishing him on 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 the on the fan. And he called in to defend himself like an active pitcher called him like not invited, just like through the fan line to defend himself. That, remember this, Rob? You know that's a bad, bad job by you, Corey. Yeah. And then six weeks later, he flew uh, like I think it was pretty soon after 9-11, right? He flew into a plane in New York and died. I flew a plane into a building in New York. Like he was the pilot of a small engine plane and he, yeah. and he uh, died in a car. Yikes. Which by the way, also happened the night of the, of our last live episode, Rob, the, you, you know, uh, the what happened? incident that happened. Okay. Boy, uh, way to bring the show to a halt. <laughs> Uncle Keevy. <laughs> so hopefully nobody flies like a one, uh, like a propeller. Yeah, plane hopefully there. not. Hopefully not. <laughs> We could only hope. That's all we've got. Yeah. Okay. How many basketballs? Or should we say baseballs? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, nine. I'm going full 10.0. I'd say <laughs> it would blow my mind if this was fake. Everything. There's not one thing uh, to me. Unless if someone showed me like proof of Ripken at that game, I would like knock it to a 9.8 because Antonio, as Antonio says, like that doesn't mean it didn't happen, but at least like Ripken has some sort of alibi that he you know, he was going to place possibly because why would why would he like stop the streak if he's there? I'm sure they could have like coaxed them into like a fifth inning pinch hit appearance. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe his hands were so hurt. He did play the next day, but from whooping the, Costner ass. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's, that Costner is an issue ass. with the theory. It's like, I'm sure he was so mad. He probably like retired. He probably said, like, I'm never playing again. He probably didn't say, like, uh, you know, cancel the game tonight, but I'll play tomorrow. Like, I'm sure he was right. so mad that like, you know, uh, just pulling the lights was a short-term solution, but maybe gets them to calm down. Yeah, I, I think it's, it has off. to be true. It's a 10.0. I, 
All Don't right. beat us up, Kevin Costner and Cal Ripken. <laughs> the, the specific threat from Costner was if you say if you guys believe it's true, I'm going to take your heads off. So, <laughs> oh man, Rob, maybe I that's think, happening. I think we got to get in, like security. Who's yeah. who do we say? Sean the mailman. You're going to like sit next to us, and we're going we're gonna to have like the faces. Should we have that at the at the live or nap? Like, if you see this man. Let us know, and it's uh, Kevin, Kevin Costner, Costner and Cal Ripken Jr. <laughs> Kevin Costner's on the ops list. Yeah. <laughs> Has he, in any of his roles, ever played an ice cream scooper? Is this something where he could method his way into somehow tainting the samples? <laughs> oh, in the no. Point yeah. Poisoning the ice cream. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to Baskin Robbins if you're listening, Kevin Costner. Okay. Don't drink the water is all I can say oh, no. uh, <laughs> at the Ben and Jerry's to cleanse your palate. Uh, that's all I can say for, for many reasons, really. But specifically, Kevin Costner also notably in the JFK movie. So oh. he's just all wrapped up <laughs> in the world of conspiracies. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go to Baskin Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Watch out for that one in <laughs> <Nope>. Minnesota. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, in speaking of Robin Hood and the times of legend uh, and the times of yore, uh, the next conspiracy or story I want to talk about uh, has to do uh, with perhaps uh, tales of history that may not be history or uh, recountings of history as we know it and whether people existed or whether they existed in the way that we think. Um, this one is so significant that there have been frontline episodes uh, devoted to it. There have been, there's an entire Wikipedia article about it. Uh, and actually a university was offering a degree program on a field of study uh, in this theory, ultimately. Uh, and this theory has to do with the authorship of Shakespeare's plays. Ah, now, when I say this, uh, again, I want to just test the waters. Uh, what do you know about the authorship of Shakespeare's plays, Rob? Uh, and whether uh, this is something, whether it's in doubt or or what, what theories there may be that are out there? Yes, uh, I think I know where this is going. And I think it's uh, a very plausible conspiracy theory. Akiva, what about you? Is this something that is on your radar at all? Are you a Shakespeare truther already? I think the authorship of Shakespeare, it comes up every once, you know, now and then I, you hear like, was Shakespeare maybe a woman? I've heard that recently, but I don't know. I don't know anything as to the specifics okay. of who was Shakespeare. So let's get into that. Uh, Shakespeare, William Shakespeare, as we know, through historical record, was born in April 1564 in Stratford upon Avon in England. Um, this is fact. This is something we can establish. We don't even know what day he was born. We don't have factual record of that. But we know, generally speaking, that this is when he was born because we have baptism records, uh, which are official. Uh, but we don't know, really, like I said, the, the ultimate day of birth. And one of the things that's going to populate this discussion throughout uh, is what we can actually prove through written record. Because as you can imagine, in 1564, um, they are writing things down. Uh, we do have written record from that time. We're not talking about you know, 300 BC with one source or something like that. Uh, there are contemporaneous sources, people from the time, uh, and there are, there are actual legal documents that we can point to and say. Uh, so Shakespeare, obviously famous playwright, most famous playwright in the entire world. Uh, and somebody noted for uh, his works throughout time, his contributions to the English language uh, are just so numerous that we can't even count, uh, whether it's specific words or turns of phrase. Uh, he not only wrote plays, he also wrote sonnets. Uh, he's just probably the most famous writer uh, in world history. And yet, even though he's the most famous writer in world history, we don't have any actual examples of his writing other than uh, six examples of his signature 
all of which are slightly different. Uh, we have his published works uh, or things that were published under the name William Shakespeare, but what we don't have are actual copies of anything that he wrote. Uh, what we have, for example, uh, as I said, are the six signatures. Uh, I, as, as part of this, and you can maybe include it uh, in the podcast in some way, shape, or form, um, I have just sent you guys in the chat uh, the examples of these signatures uh, which look like complete garbage, to be perfectly honest, and don't look like they were written by somebody who's a notable writer. Uh, but we'll get into that. Um, but these are the only examples we have of William Shakespeare's actual handwriting. Uh, other things are missing. For example, we have no record of William Shakespeare's education. We have none of it. We have no school records. Now, you could say, well, there's no school records from the school at all. And that would be true. Uh, there are records from other schools at the time, uh, but Stratford-upon-Avon, where uh, Shakespeare was raised, was was seen as kind of a, a little bit of a rural city. I think it's about 100 miles outside London. Uh, there was a lot of agricultural trading and stuff that was going on there at the time. Uh, it was not known as a, a hotbed of academics. And this is a huge part of where this theory that William Shakespeare, the person that we know existed, may not have been William Shakespeare, the person who wrote the plays that he's famous for writing. Some of the other things we know about William Shakespeare, the person who existed. Uh, we know at 18, he was married uh, in what ultimately was probably a shotgun or I guess in that case, maybe a musket wedding uh, to a 26-year-old named Anne Hathaway. Uh, yes, that is her actual name. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that from the marriage license uh, that was issued, I say shotgun wedding, because we know that they had a daughter born six months later. And we know that, again, from baptism and birth records. We know they later had twins, a son and a daughter, uh, and that the son died uh, as a young child. Um, we don't have any evidence that uh, William Shakespeare's daughters were literate. Um, they signed their names with either like a hand-drawn signature or just a mark. Uh, so we don't have any evidence that they were educated. Maybe some of that owed to the fact that they were women born in the late 1500s. We also don't have any evidence that Shakespeare's parents were literate. Um, any of their legal documents uh, were signed with marks uh, and not signed with names. And we don't have any examples of their writing. Uh, William Shakespeare's father was an elected official in the area. He was also a noted glove maker. And his mom came uh, unlike from... Kevin uh, Costner. Unlike Kevin Costner. <laughs> uh, maybe was some, that a sock hop uh, yeah. or, or a bop of some sort? Um, his mother, Shakespeare's mother, was an affluent farmer. Or she came from an affluent farming family. Uh, as I said, parents seemingly illiterate, uh, daughters seemingly illiterate. Uh, Shakespeare, no record of his education. So what does this say about the works that Shakespeare uh, wrote? Uh, he wrote works that showed a great knowledge of the courtly traditions, of uh, high class traditions. Uh, a lot of his works were about kings uh, or were about rulers and showed a knowledge of the sports that were played at court, showed a knowledge of higher class things, showed a knowledge of uh, world cities and places that he hadn't been to and that we have no evidence that he went to. Uh, so it, it seems odd that this person from this sort of... Uh, uh, agricultural, uh, like a, just a ruddy kind of upbringing with no proof of his education, uh, ultimately would produce a work that the works that showed such a knowledge uh, and showed such an expensive, expansive vocabulary. Uh, Shakespeare's vocabulary uh, is thought to have been just from analyzing his works somewhere between twenty and thirty thousand words. Now I don't know what the average vocabulary is, but I can tell you at that time in fifteen eighty five, that was super significant. At that time, in fact, only about one third of the male population of England was literate at all. Uh, and so 
the people that propose that Shakespeare maybe is not the authors of his plays, a large part of what their theory is vests on this, that he was brought up in a place where education wouldn't have been at a paramount, that he was brought up at a time that a lot of people were illiterate and he was born into a family that showed no signs of literacy and that we have no examples, even though he was a writer of his actual writing. We have no papers. Uh, we have nothing. Um, so you saw in the chat, the examples of his six signatures, they don't look like what I think you would expect William Shakespeare noted author uh, signatures to look like they look really bad. So this is a huge part of the, the theory as well. Right now, before we get into any more, um, do you have any questions about this period uh, and uh, Shakespeare before he's a writer or anything contemporaneous that we're going to talk about here before I jump in? I don't want to just drone on here. No questions yet at this time. Yeah, no, I'm 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 liking this. I I, I do okay. want to know how many words people like how many words do you think you know, Rob? Uh, I have no idea. Like, yeah, like I don't know. I once I had a bet with a friend in college. Uh, if he could go the whole day without with only saying 50 words, but he could pick which 50 words he would say, mm-hmm. like, it only not 50 words total. Like he got like a, a, a board of 50 words. They could only use those words. And it was funny for like 10 minutes and then he just gave up and lost the bet. But I don't know, like I would like to know how many words I know. Is there like a site we could test how many words we know? I mean, ask Sean Falconer to go back and then oh, yeah, go every through. word that you and I have said. And I bet it's like 57, 80 words. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so far, Antonio, I'm, I'm buying into this. Let's let's uh, let's see where it goes. So Google says, you know, keep in mind, we live in a world where we we are bombarded with words at every at every corner uh, and we are, are watching them on TV. We're hearing them. We're seeing them. We're reading them at, at every turn. Our average vocabulary as adults now uh, as an English speaker, as English speakers is about 20,000 words. And we mm-hmm. may know passively up to 40,000. And as I said, the estimate for Shakespeare in 1585 with no evidence of his education, seemingly born into an illiterate family, seemingly having an illiterate family was 30,000 words. So uh, more than our average American uh, or average English speaker now uh, who's bombarded with words on a daily basis. So that's uh, that, that's that uh, comparatively just based on a quick Google search. So as I said, what do we know about Shakespeare? We know allegedly he was a writer, but we only we only have six evidence of things that he ever wrote. They're his signatures on legal documents. Uh, and all these prodigious, if he's such a prodigious writer, uh, no letters exist. No signed manuscripts exist. Um, the references to the specific things uh, that he wouldn't know about are in the place, but we don't have any evidence uh, that he knew about them through other various or direct means. Uh, I will say also what we know factually about the William Shakespeare of uh, legal documents is that he was a successful businessman. We know he was an actor uh, in plays as referenced uh, by published things. Uh, and we know that he, he'd had a lot of, he was litigious. He, he acted a lot in uh, seeking to establish things from a business standpoint. He never sued about anything written, um, which copyright law may not have been then what it is now. And I think that's something that has changed over time. We know he had a will uh, in his will. He makes no reference to any of any of his writings. Uh, they're not referenced in the will at all. Like uh, any of the rights for the writings, any of my, 
unpublished writings, any of my letters. He leaves no, no reference in his will to anything regarding his writing. So that's what we've got officially about William Shakespeare. Uh, there was a statue of Shakespeare, uh, of a Shakespeare, or I should say like a, a plaque or like a relief, um, like a sculpture built in Stratford-upon-Avon. Uh, it Right now, uh, you can see it, it shows William Shakespeare with a pen in his hand. Uh, people who have, are proponents of what they call the anti-Stratford theory, the theory ultimately that William Shakespeare from Stratford-upon-Avon in England couldn't have written all these works, they have some evidence, including paintings, uh, that show that that originally might have shown Shakespeare with a bag, uh, either of grain or of wool. Uh, because he was into real estate and he was into uh, trades, uh, the kind of things that were happening in Stratford. So their allegation is that at some point when Shakespeare, the writer became well-known, the original uh, relief of Shakespeare, the original sculpture was changed from showing him with a bag to showing him with a pen. So that's what we know uh, is happening. The, the, propor- the proponents of this theory, uh, they suggest ultimately that the references in the works are ones that he just would not have known. And they also will all put forward reasons why somebody might have listed William Shakespeare as an alias or even worked with the businessman Shakespeare, who we know is a successful businessman, to essentially pay him to put his name on these works. And the reasons are actually pretty persuasive. Uh, if you want to believe that a person of higher education, for example, would have written these works, then one of the reasons you want to believe that a person of higher education would have written these works but not wanted their name on them is a lot of them uh, are a little bit seditious. Uh, they, in fact, people in of the time uh, were arrested or, or in charge because they put on uh, Richard III, I believe, uh, and were jailed for it because it, it is seemingly anti-monarchy. Um, some of the stuff that's going on in England at this time with regard to the monarchy is reestablishing it, uh, making it so that it's strong and powerful again. And a lot of these works, they don't, they don't make, uh, the, the monarchy look good. Uh, and so there would be a reason for a person of high class not to want to associate their name with certain of these things. Uh, contemporaries of the writer William Shakespeare, like Christopher Marlowe, for example, it's believed that Marlowe even faked his own death uh, to avoid prosecution for... Yeah, different one. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly for for what he for what he ultimately was writing. So there's reason to believe that that somebody might not want their name associated with this. And then there's the the cultural reason. Um, it's seen as a lesser form. Uh, people were writing things at court, uh, like poems, and passing them back and forth. But it, it was seen as as sort of lower class to be a playwright. And so if there was someone who was higher class and was associated with court and wanted to create these works, they would never put their name on them. And so someone else's name might be put on them. Right. Proponents like Akiva, this- the Tom Cruise of the time would never do a play. Only, uh, yeah, only I, poems. I, yeah. <laughs> it's a movies TV. Thing. Um, <laughs> it's a movies TV thing. Right. Or it's I a, like- just don't put your name on anything thing. I mean, it's a, it's a, we don't, you don't want to be associated with the entertainment of, the lower class. Now the, the ruling classes, they did hire players. They did hire actors. They did hire uh, people to put on these performances for the courts and for the people. Uh, but it was not, it was not something where typically, I mean, it's no different than like in the game of Thrones context, a person from a highborn family wouldn't go uh, be a mummer uh, and put on plays. And if they did, they probably wouldn't represent themselves as a member of a high house. Uh, it, this is something where the theater is not traditionally associated with a, a, a kind of career path or an appropriate action uh, for a person of a certain type of class. So 
there's a reason why, at least in theory, someone, if, if you're associating that someone from a higher class might have done this, might have written these things, that they, they wouldn't want their names on them. Uh, there are historical contemporary references in writing at the time referencing Shakespeare uh, as uh, someone associated with the theater. A lot of them reference him as an actor, uh, but many of them reference him as a writer. Now, in some of these cases, though, uh, they hyphenate the name, uh, and people say at the time when you hyphenate a name like that, uh, what you're doing is that's a pseudonym, and it's a known pseudonym. Uh, some of the people in this theory point to some of these writings and say, the way you read that, you can clearly read that they know Shakespeare is a pseudonym, much in the way like our founding fathers use pseudonyms when they were writing things in Poor Richard's Almanac or Federalist Papers or wherever uh, to cover up their real identities. Uh, yet people largely knew who was writing them. Uh, the suggestion would be that some of these references from contemporaries at the time uh, were like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, put it in quotes, Shakespeare, uh, because it's not actually a person. It's just a it's, or it is a person, but it's not the, the, the actor is not writing these things. None of these works were published during the time Shakespeare was alive. And that's another reason why I think people say, well, it really could have been anybody uh, lionizing this person after their death uh, and attributing to him something that wasn't actually his. As I said, there are contemporaneous writings from when he was alive, but those are subject to people disbelieving it. Um, there's also, as I said, documentary evidence at the time of Shakespeare's various business adventures, but not as a writer. Um, and, and that there is no, there is reason to believe that he was an existing person, that he was a successful businessman, that he was involved in the theater. And if you want to believe that he was a writer, uh, there is some reference to that. Now, what I will say is the works in a Sean Falconer way the works of Shakespeare have been analyzed and people believe largely that the works were written by one individual uh, with some exceptions for things that were known to be written in collaboration uh, or things that weren't known to be written in collaboration, but you can probably assume were written uh, with someone like Marlowe, a couple of the works. So this linguistic analysis has occurred and it, it does seem to be the works of one person. So that would rule out any kind of theory that it was a collaboration that you've got that Shakespeare was like Banksy, uh, that maybe it was a group of people or that there was a Melissa uh, like Avril Lavigne, uh, that there were a couple different people that were involved. Largely, this was one person. Was it William Shakespeare, the real estate magnate, uh, the theater investor, the actor uh, who was also the writer? That seems to be what's up for debate. Uh, I want to point out that absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. So just because we don't know uh, that William Shakespeare wrote things because we don't have things that he wrote um, as actual evidence doesn't mean that he didn't do it. Uh, but that's what people are. That, those are the things that people point to. Uh, I can cite some other things, but what, what are some talking points you want to talk about at this point? So the theory that I had heard was that Shakespeare was not one person that was like a team of people because there were so many works. So uh, interesting to hear that that has been ruled out as a possible theory. Yeah, I mean, you can certainly take that uh, as you like it, uh, but I would say that there aren't too many plays uh, to say that they couldn't have been the work of one individual. And there are sonnets, but it, it, the, he was prolific uh, and certainly prolific to the, to the point that it is a little odd. And I think I, this is why people fill in the blanks. It's a little odd. We don't have the actual writings because there are so many of them. Plays at the time were maybe not performed in the, well, they're definitely were not performed in the way 
that we perform them now. He did not write up a script like Aaron Sorkin and hand out 15 copies of that script to everyone in the, in the company. Uh, and therefore we would expect that some of those would have survived. They might've been getting loose pages at the time uh, with these, a lot of these plays. What we see is there is some discrepancy about what the final versions were because there are folios or are there, there are printed versions which differ greatly. And in some cases in certain works so greatly that they've, there's just two versions of it that are out there. Uh, and so that I think may be part of why people believe there may have been some collaboration involved, uh, in the way that the gospels, I think of the Bible, when you analyze them, you can say like, okay, this was probably written by this person. You can look and see, uh, with some degree of certainty, uh, a collective authorship of certain sections, uh, or know that certain people might've written certain sections of, of individual gospels and compare them. I think largely with Shakespeare's plays, you can analyze them and say these were mostly written by one person, but whether that was done at the time or whether that's a reflection of the final product being put together by one person. And therefore you have a collective influence on the work. That's what's up for debate. Allegedly the first publishing, for example, of any of Shakespeare's works were done by his friends posthumously uh, to honor him. And if that's the case, we don't have whatever they gathered together to make this publishing. So the, I can see the support for that. But the, as I said, the Falconer analysis, if you want to call it that uh, shows that it was largely written by one person. So any of the swirling tempests around a controversy of it being multiple people are probably not directly accurate, but you can see where they come from. Uh, Akiva, where are you right now? Do you have, or what questions can I answer for you about this before I get into some more uh, final thoughts? No, this is interesting. I think it's one of these that uh, it's like, I don't know if I believe it, but I know, you know, there's, it seems like there's endless possibilities, but also unlike Ripken Costner or Levine, Melissa, it doesn't seem like we'll ever really know the answer. It doesn't. Uh, great thinkers have, including Sigmund Freud, Mark Twain, uh, and I don't know why I cited on Rob. the history. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know why I cited. We weren't cited on the History Channel because Helen Keller and Charlie Chaplin also were uh, cited as doubters. Ralph Waldo Emerson cited as a doubter. I will say that the doubt, the pushback on this, seems to have emerged in the mid eighteen hundreds. And it is very classist. Um, and that's something that I cannot let this, you know, talk about this without talking about that the heart of the theory is basically like, you know, rose can't grow from concrete. Uh, nobody that imaginative and that smart could have ever come from what they considered to be like a backwater burg, uh, this town like Stratford upon Avon. We don't even know where he went to school. Like you can just see the noses in the air uh, at the beginning of some of this criticism. of Venice, uh, <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll see that I've worked in several uh, Shakespeare's titles throughout my discussion here, but, uh, yeah, it is, uh, it is certainly something that, uh, even the merchant of Venice, like in two gentlemen of Verona, like there are all these examples in Shakespeare's plays where people point to and say, that's not Shakespeare. Like he didn't write that. Whoever wrote the rest of these didn't write that particular thing. Uh, and in the case of two gentlemen of Verona, it's because it's bad uh, and it's not as good or considered to be bad or considered to be not as good. People are just like, well, that was one of the first ones he wrote. Like that was one of the first ones he wrote. The, the reason that it's not as good is you can look at it and say, this is early Shakespeare. He got better. Uh, you can also point to evolutions in the work uh, and see these sorts of things. 
besides the fact that the criticism comes from a very classist point of view, uh, one of the other things is there are mistakes uh, in Shakespeare's works. Uh, there are geographical mistakes. Uh, there are mistakes of place and time uh, that are factual mistakes. Not to say that an educated person wouldn't have made mistakes. There is some belief you can trace a lot of these mistakes to one source and that that source would have been available to Shakespeare at the time. So that he might have been the Wikipedia of his time uh, might have been poorly sourced and therefore his consistent mistakes or mistakes he made that were consistent with mistakes made in that source uh, are explained that, okay, here's a reason how an un undereducated person or a person who hasn't been to court uh, could have pulled from another secondary source and had a great imagination and been super talented and still pulled this off. Uh, so there are plenty, I would say largely the scholarship and the reason to believe this theory is that the same guy who was the actor uh, was the guy uh, who wrote these things. Uh, and any, anything we've discussed maybe comes from a biased point of view, but as I think Rob, you've observed with the collective ownership, there are reasons to say, okay, if there's no written examples of what he wrote, and he doesn't really talk about it himself. When we have no evidence that he was this prolific writer, maybe it wasn't exactly in the way we would traditionally think of this being done. He wasn't cranking out these scripts and publishing them or sending them for publishing. Maybe after he died, his friends got what they had together, cobbled it all together, uh, put this there and move that there. Who knows what was changed or updated at that time uh, from the plays at the time. Uh, and and therefore, what emerged was not the work uh, directly the work of this person, but it was a polished up version of the work of this person and an altered work of this person. And I think Akiva, as you're hinting at, that's something I don't think we're ever going to know. I don't think we're ever going to be able to prove unless we discover in some archives some additional contemporaneous evidence that either supports or detracts from these theories. Um, it, it really just all vests in like you have no evidence of his education. You have no evidence of his writing. He came from a time in a family where illiteracy was common. Uh, his own writings don't look that great. I want the six examples that we have. Uh, and we just don't know uh, what to believe in terms of we can't contextualize any references to his writing in any way that we know for sure. We can theorize and we can come up with academic reasons to believe, you know, the culture of the time is such that if you put a hyphen in a name, it would be a, a pseudonym and so forth and so on. We can't prove any of it. So this is something that I think gets to whether you want to believe uh, that a person from Stratford upon Avon and the upbringing that he might've had could have, could be the world's most famous writer, or whether you want to believe that his background and his upbringing are such that it couldn't have happened. Uh, because that seems to be the main reason that people believe that it couldn't have. Um, people cite ultimately the people that would have been responsible. They cite, for example, Edward de Vere, the 17th Earl of Oxford. They're called Oxfordians because they want to believe someone from the landed gentry in the upper class is actually responsible for this. So that's the part that feels a little sticky to me for sure. Now, are there Shakespeare purists who get mad if people try to say that uh, Shakespeare was not exactly who he says he was, people that are uh, just standing the legend of Shakespeare? Yes. And I would say they're probably right, but that is a huge incentive for people not to want to let this in, to not to want to let any, any kind of critical thinking or real uh, debate about this occur. Uh, because there are people whose whole lives are invested in attributing all of these uh, works to Shakespeare, whose 
academics and background in writing are about lionizing and standing uh, this guy. And if you pull the, the, you know, the ground out from under those people, their entire being is, is removed or their entire, uh, just all of their work is undone by, by changing this. So it, they're probably right in terms of wanting to defend uh, the idea that a rose can rise from concrete, as I keep saying. But what they're what they're also maybe not thinking about is they're strongly incentivized to continue to think in the way that they think, uh, because it, to to and let the opposite in uh, would mean undoing a lot of uh, their life's work in many cases. So Shakespeare scholars are people who who base uh, all, all of this on this per- person. Just they don't gain anything by this being undone for sure. All right, Rob, do you want to vote? Uh, yeah, you know what? I find this to be uh, very plausible. I mean, uh, that do we want to say exactly what the conspiracy is? It was, if it's Shakespeare is not who we thought he was, then I, I would say a, a 10 out of 10. Yeah. I would right. agree. If it's if it's a team of people wrote, you know, five or more people or three or more people wrote um, his plays, I think I'm lower on that than I was even before we started. Right. I, I think, like I said, when I'm doing my research on this and, and, and just kind of reading for the purposes of this podcast, what was most persuasive to me is that since we don't have written versions of these documents and we find that it was essentially collectively published after he died... When you add that sort of element into the mix and you're talking about people gathering folios together and who knows how these things were ultimately put together, um, what we've got is I don't know that we can ever fully say that the versions that we read, that we love, that we've seen adapted into films, that we recite, that enter our language uh, with things like slings and arrows all the way down to certain words you can't, I don't think you can say with certainty that those were all created directly by the person uh, who the historical William Shakespeare that we have evidence of his existence. I just don't think you can say that when we don't have the written versions that, that he would have created. I think what you can say is that the works were created largely by one person, uh, that while there is reason to believe there would have been motive for people of higher class not to want to be associated with this, we don't have direct evidence that any of them had bribed this William Shakespeare. Uh, we have direct evidence that someone named William Shakespeare or the name Shakespeare was associated with writing at the time these things were being published, uh, or sorry, produced for the first time, not published. So there, somebody, the Shakespeare name was attached to these works while he was alive. Uh, whether it was him, uh, whether the works that we that were being done at the time are exactly or even close to what we have now, uh, I think that's where it starts to get a little murkier, and that's where it's easier to believe what Rob, like you're saying, it's a ten out of ten for me that there's knowledge that we don't have about William Shakespeare. And so to just assume that the William Shakespeare of Stratford upon Avon, who was you know, did all the things historically we know he did, wrote exactly every single one of these words, uh, line by line, measure for measure, I just think is is something we can't necessarily say. Yeah. R.I.P. Big Willie. Uh, do we have any do we have any um, sort of uh, a quick bite conspiracy theories also, Antonio? Yeah, let's do a lightning round. So, Akiva, people wanted us to talk about Jeopardy James and his loss. I refuse to oh engage, but I know you want to talk about it. 
uh, a little bit. Uh, so for anybody who doesn't know, uh, James Holzhauser was Jeopardy's uh, just streak champion this year, uh, was very close to breaking the total dollar amount. Uh, he lost in, in a way that people thought was very confusing uh, in his final appearance. People don't understand his final Jeopardy bet. And so people are creating a conspiracy that he lost on purpose. Nobody loses Jeopardy on purpose, in my view. Akiva, what do you want to say about this? Well, we got so many. It was the most, you know, we got so many requests about this. And I understand if somebody doesn't understand the mechanism of the game, like they hear this fine. But like, if you're the type of person who thinks it and then and then like someone who watches the show tells you that it's not fixed and you still believe it, then I think you're like hopeless as a human being. Like basically, he was making $75,000 a half hour, $150,000 an hour on the show. There is no way anyone on earth could have incentivized him to lose at that point, you know, for less than $5 million. And what would their incentive be that he bet on himself right. magically in Vegas? He had never, his shows hadn't even aired by the time he lost, like no one knew who he was. So it's just the bizarre conspiracy theory that got like way further off the ground. Like I guarantee you, if you call your Nana who watches uh, jeopardy, it's 50 50 that she believes James lost on purpose. Like it's weird. People didn't understand his final Jeopardy bet because he didn't risk it all, uh, mm-hmm. right? And and he was basically hedging against the fact that the people in front of him would risk a certain way, and if they both missed it, he would still win, even if the third place person yep. uh, got it right and he got it wrong. And if you were losing on purpose, Antonio, would you get twenty five questions right and zero questions wrong during that episode, and then get final Jeopardy right instead of betting everything and getting it wrong? Right. I mean, the, the people that would say the, 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 the I don't even want to speak for them, but they would say, well, that's how you make it look more convincing. You know, you don't want to make it look so obvious, but there there's you, you, as you said, there's just no incentive for him to do this. If the incentive is not to break the record, um, you're basically saying he does not a he doesn't want the record, which is ridiculous. But B, he doesn't want to continue to print money uh, for 20 minutes of trivia game playing. Uh, and that's ridiculous. So uh, Alex Jacob, who I know uh, is active in a lot of the communities uh, that we're all active in, uh, he basically just said in himself, I uh, noted Jeopardy champion, uh, noted trivia master basically just said like, can you, we shouldn't even acknowledge this. And I'm on board with that, but people yeah. wanted to talk about it. So here we are. Yeah. Rob, okay. you, got, you got anything on Jeopardy James? No, I, I mostly missed it. I heard it anecdotally, mostly through you, but uh, good to know that uh, we have uh, cleared up this conspiracy. Way, Zero I basketballs. Smoke, I would smoke the kids on the uh, on the teen tournament this week. I would I would take them behind the woodshed for sure. Yeah. <laughs> were so you? All, I believe that. Akiba, were you always such a big Jeopardy guy, or did Jeopardy James? I mean, I really? stink. I lost to you. How big of a Jeopardy guy could I be? I mean, not that you're bad, but like I. I got him back. Did I lose to Melissa or did I come in second? I think I might have come in second. Did you throw um, it though? Yes. That's another conspiracy theory. People have been setting Antonio. Did Akiva throw Jeopardy? I don't even shut up Tim's money. Yeah. And shut up Tim's money. Yeah. Or is Akiva just bad? It's a good question. What are some other uh, lightning rounds, Antonio? So Rob, let's clear the air. Like you want, like we did with Jeopardy James. Let's clear the air on something else. People contacted us about Helen was pushed, Rob, big brother, 15, uh, big brother starting up next week. Your life is about to be markedly different. Uh, Taryn Armstrong's life, not going to change significantly, although quality, who knows, but, um, Helen was pushed. The theory is that there's a, uh, competition for players who had been eliminated from Big Brother to get back in the game. Uh, the fans did not uh, largely, I think there's a fan favorite that maybe we wanted to see back in the show or that fans wanted to see back in the show and J-U-double-D, Party Darty, uh, and that the reason for Helen to be pushed or incentivized to jump off uh, was probably offered uh, back channel. 
uh, and that you 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 see basically her standing on a platform in a competition where the the winner who stays up on the platform the longest comes back in the game. When you see her jump off right before that, you see someone from production who would be back there anyway, but you see someone right behind her platform. Uh, the indication perhaps being. Uh, that someone maybe tapped her platform and said, time to go. Uh, or uh, as the, uh, the the shortened version goes, Helen was pushed. Um, do you remember talking about this at the time at all, Rob? Or is this something that has come up a more, more over time as Big Brother has gone on? So I feel like at the time there was some talk. There's sort of a very grainy, Zabruder-esque uh, film that was uh, floating around at the time. But I think that the meme... Helen was pushed has uh, lasted more than actual conspiracy theory talk. Yeah. And I'm not sure the people who meme it necessarily believe it, or if it is like, as I said earlier with the Avril Lavigne and the celebrity deaths, people are feeling a psychological need in a lot of cases yeah. uh, by, by, by putting these theories forth and Helen was pushed becomes sort of a standard bearer for people generally wanting to believe that the game is 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 controlled in a way uh, that they can't prove, uh, or that that they're that pr- the people who produce the show uh, have their hands in the outcome of the show, uh, which Big Brother famously is show for some shocking final outcomes. Uh, but the suggestion would be that that the production would have uh, massaged certain outcomes that they want for better TV because Big Brother is happening live. Uh, they have live feeds of the house. The feeds do get cut out from time to time or a lot of the time, depending on how much you're watching and what they're talking about. And so the belief is that production is influencing what we see and how we see it. Uh, and therefore, if they wanted a certain outcome, they could work it out uh, and they could help to ensure it. And that the grainy Zapruder film footage is somebody tapping Helen saying it's time to go because once Helen goes another a competitor Candace who was in the competition at that time immediately goes thereafter uh, and it, it does seem it's the kind of thing where if you wanted to believe a certain thing if you had that psychological need to fill a gap on the show you were watching this is what your brain would do uh, and now it is just a meme Akiva do you do you have any part in Helen was pushed are you a Helen is pushed truther well, I wasn't watching that season, uh, although I did go back and watch it during Big Brother 16. I, I binged <laughs> a lot of seasons. Um, you, uh, you really I, wanted to watch 15 for uh, how quality yes. the entertainment content is. Yes, mm-hmm. how quality right? the people on the show were. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I'm generally conspiracy theorist on reality shows. Like, I always think when The Amazing Race has like uh, a non elimination, like, which I didn't know existed until I started watching this season, uh, that they just decide, like, based on who loses. Um, but I also I, I don't think they would do something as egregious as like physically push someone off. It just seems too insane. Uh, right. Is it possible? Yes. But I, I, to me, it seems unlikely. Yeah. The version of it that's most believable to me is that um, there's something in the in the performer contracts that we don't know. There's some clause that basically says when production tells you to do a thing, you're going to have to do it in certain respects. And it may be like kind of a blanket clause that covers a lot of what goes on in the show in terms of wearing stupid costumes or uh, not talking when they tell you not to talk and wait and, and things like that. But maybe that it plays into this certain type of thing to get a certain kind of outcome. And so maybe the person being there didn't push her, but instead did tap her platform. Uh, I could perhaps believe that. But again, I'm not I'm not big on reading into that. I think it's a dark uh, you, you just you just where that well ends is is on. You just don't know. It just goes forever and ever. If you want to believe that production's rigging Big Brother, you'll find it in every second you see uh, on TV. So it's uh, it's something that you, people will entertain and I get why. So, uh, but things I don't get, um, Akiva, 
Uh, I sent you something before the podcast. Uh, I sent it to you in your Twitter DMs. Uh, Zach Brooks wants to talk about Phil T real quick. So do you want to entertain this for just 30 seconds? Oh, wow. Oh, so Phil T doesn't actually exist. That's the conspiracy, right? He was replaced by uh, a Because there's no such double. thing as a cool Canadian. He's cool. He's Canadian. It's got to be somebody else. It's got to be somebody else. It's Jim Carrey. Avril Lavigne, uh, maybe care. that's why they had to kill her off. She was a cool, cool Canadian, Canadian. And they realized Can't that. Have it. <laughs> yeah. Too cool. Yeah. Maybe that's why James lost too. Alex Trebek is involved somehow. Mm. Hmm. Um, so Phil T says that, uh, Zach Brooks says Phil T made up the words Esco and Esquedit from the millennial slang episode. Uh, he did it to punk Robin Akiva. He says, I'm an older millennial. He's trying to say he's younger than me and Rob, but he's never heard or seen anyone use it. And Google searches bring up zero results. Maybe I need to download TikTok to supplement my research. Yeah, that's definitely not true because we yeah. Googled it at the time. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he's spelling it wrong. Maybe he's bad at spelling. I, I, I sent Zach an unfortunate example of why I know the word exists. Uh, the rapper Lil Pump, who honestly, I check the obituaries every morning for. But um, <laughs> I I would like to say that it definitely exists. I mean, if you want to say that Phil T is Lil Pump, then maybe... <sighs> I could buy that. It could be a mask. I mean, honestly, what what is going on there? Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, kind of whatever the look is, uh, it could it could be a mask. I would hope that it's a mask. But if it's not, uh, maybe Phil T is low pump. Yeah, I like that a lot better. Actually, I'm yeah. sure Phil T would would uh, you know low key support that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it sounds like that Zach Brooks is trying to get some smoke going with uh, Phil T. Yeah, stay away from the smoke, Zach. This is not, this is not, nothing happened here. Uh, while we were talking, I just got a call from Senator Rand Paul inviting me to a town hall. Uh, speaking of <laughs> conspiracy theorists, otherwise unrelated. Uh, I also wanted to bring up the fact that Stevie Wonder isn't blind. We talked about it the last yeah. time. I will continue to carry that torch because people uh, messaged in about that this time. Uh, maybe didn't hear the first go round. Uh, Stevie Wonder's not blind. So he's not as blind as uh, we might think he is. I don't think he's going to run into a wall. Uh, yeah, it's a you, spectrum, I think. I think yeah, he has yeah. probably like 5% vision, but not 0% yeah. vision. He can catch a microphone if it's falling. Uh, he can, uh, maybe he's taking pictures with a camera. Uh, I don't think he's 100% blind. Yeah, he's 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 legally blind, but maybe not uh, actually complete. He's visually impaired and not visually removed. So that is something that comes up and it will continue to come up. Uh, anything else you guys want to hit? Uh, the people wanted to talk about UFOs. That, that's not, the, the, there's no way I could get into that here. Uh, the New York times did write an article recently uh, where people wanted to talk about it. Uh, all I can say is if there was some vast conspiracy about UFOs within the government, there's no way the president knows because if he knew we would know uh, and he would tell us how they were coming uh, to see uh, the, well, they the great asked him. Trump he said he's America. not, he doesn't even believe in it. He doesn't believe in it. Uh, he also doesn't believe in DNA uh, evidence, but that's another matter. Yeah. Uh, but what I would say ultimately is there's no way that this is being covered up currently. Uh, I don't think he's the first president uh, who would have revealed it had they known, uh, but he's certainly not the, I don't think this is something he would keep to himself. He does want to build a space force though. So maybe he does know something, uh, but the New York times hmm. is writing about it. Joe Rogan is talking about it. So you know, if you want to get your brain out a little bit, uh, hit that up for well, sure. Akiva doesn't even believe in aliens. Uh, not yeah, at all. I famously Kiva. do not believe in aliens. People make fun of me for that. Well, <laughs> of all the things uh, to pick, that's what they pick. Um, I'm not saying there's a yeah. great source of things to make fun of you over, but yeah. Uh, not yeah. even that they're, like I, that they're here, that Akiva doesn't even believe that they exist on other planets. Yeah. Infinite, I mean, infinite, infinite possibilities. possibilities. Too spooky for me. Yeah. <laughs> no. 
That's part of my closet. It, yeah, it might be because he's, yeah, he's living in his closet. Yeah, he has to tell himself there. there's no aliens. Oh, no, I'm going back in. to my parents' house in a few weeks. I am nervous about that closet a little bit. You got Marvin, <laughs> Harry, E.T., Chucky. Yeah. Chucky's really having a moment. He might he might really be hanging out. Ch- Chucky's back. Yeah, it's all happening. <laughs> all right. Antonio, uh, again, I cannot thank so you enough for your research. Uh, I think no sophomore slump here. Uh, anything else that you want to say? I want to say, is it a conspiracy that Toy Story 4 and Chucky come out on the same weekend? Like, talk about counter-programming. Uh, you've I got think they did on purpose, toys. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I almost has to be right. Like it has to be. Oh, and speaking of uh, marketing and counter programming, new Coke, uh, new Coke back in the news. Yeah, uh, Stranger Things uh, are happening with with Stranger Things Things season three. As we talked about on Conspirapod One, whether new Coke was just a marketing ploy. New Coke is officially a marketing ploy at this point. Uh, maybe it wasn't to begin with. Your mileage may vary, but it definitely is now uh, being brought back uh, in limited ways uh, as part of the promotional campaign for Stranger Things, Stranger Things season three on Netflix. New Coke back in the news. I don't think we manifested it, but uh, it's certainly there. Uh, and, it, and it is something that's on in, in, in Conspirapod news, uh, like Seinfeld in the news from the old Seinfeld podcast. Uh, Conspira, Conspirapod in the news, New Coke is, is going to be coming back in some limited form. Do people love Stranger Things so much that they'll drink New Coke to celebrate it? I saw an ad last night, Rob, that Ego is selling like 1984 no, designed Ego well, Zach Brooks said that uh, Phil T made up Ego. Uh, I knew it was Canadian. Um, the, yeah. Uh, if, if people are, I mean, that's Szechuan sauce thing, right? If the internet gets behind something, the internet has to get, get behind new Coke. If some dummies on the internet get behind it, then they'll like sell out the new Coke in 10 minutes. Did you say Saskatchewan Either it'll sauce? or no one, but he will care. <laughs> Saskatchewan. I, another Canadian creation. I heard Saskatchewan sauce. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, it's not exactly how you say it, but, uh, it's close enough. I'm going with it. I'm taking it. I'm taking it where I can get it. Um, but yeah, so I don't know the ego thing. It's like, are these actual egos from the eighties? Like, or is it just a new package? I would be a little, con- at least a little concerned about a, well, egos a frozen from 80s, like they've been item. sitting in a box for 40 years. Uh, yeah. But like in a frozen, in a freezer somewhere, like, is this product oh. they didn't offload or is it a new box? I don't know that we could ever know that for sure. Hmm. Ego's not noted for their uh, wonderful consistency and delicious fresh taste. <laughs> like baseball cards for like, it's like a stick of gum in a baseball card from the eighties. That's what they're selling. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Possible. I just, it, people must love stranger things. If these companies are jumping in and trying to catch a little heat off the, the tail end of it. And you're right. Like with the uh, Saskatchewan sauce, like uh, you, you might, you might have people that are, They'll get behind anything. Uh, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't always end well though, as with that sauce, it doesn't always end well for the company or for anyone involved. So we got a new Coke better watch out. Okay. The great Antonio Mazzaro. You could find him on Twitter. He's at AC Mazzaro with two Z's, one R. Antonio, anything, anything else? I'm, I, I feel like that. Um, we, uh, hardly get to hear from you. I, I feel like I, I don't want this to end. Because I I don't want to end uh, only hearing from you during conspiracy talk. I know I'm I'm hustling to I'm hustling to make to make my ends meet, pay my bills. Uh, so like Akiva, if somebody wants to hire me, <laughs> reach oh. out. I am not the author. Can we be of a joint package? Oh yeah. Oh man, I mean, you have that a skill. <laughs> That's the only problem. Antonio will be the attorney. I, I like you know I don't know what you're you know. 
Hmm. Well, anyway, yeah, I'm hustling too much, but hopefully I can get back in the podcasting games sometime before the end of the year. There's some shows coming up that Josh Wiggler and I uh, have, have our baby. eyes on. <laughs> 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 pretty great. Yeah. Uh, pretty great. Uh, Costner won't, maybe that, maybe that's my way to get him, get him off my back and he won't come rip my head off. Uh, for <laughs> Ripkin your head off. Ripkin my head off. Yeah. Between okay. the sheets with Kevin Costner. <laughs> uh, you, anything else for Antonio? No, I, I think this was too good. I think there's going to have to be a third one. Maybe episode 59 will be the, uh, the third of the trilogy of the, of the uh, Conspirapod trilogy with Antonio. Okay. All right. Well, we look forward to it no matter when it happens. Uh, Antonio, thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. And thanks everybody for all the kind words about the last one. I uh, hope everyone enjoyed this one uh, and certainly appreciate it. Uh, as always, just people listening to uh, us talk about whatever. So it's, it's definitely appreciated. And thank you guys again for having me on. I'm glad the wheel came up how it did. Okay. Mm. Let's get into the mailbag. Yes. All right. Let's get into our mailbag and we're going to spin the wheel for the big episode number 40. But as promised, Akiva, we have a ton of housekeeping to get through. And thanks again to Antonio Mazzaro, who uh, really uh, incredible job once again killed it as per usual okay all right so we have a lot to talk about that it's been what two and a half weeks basically since you and i have recorded and mm -hmm. uh it's been about like 10 days since anybody has heard an episode of the podcast but a lot of updates about our big road trip to minnesota yeah um so if yeah like we we said or we didn't say i don't remember what we said on air affair uh, if you want to go to the either the Mets Twins games with us the night of the 16th or the day of the 17th and you're listening to this now, uh, you need to contact uh, me or Alex Chester immediately because we're the, the group ticket sales got locked in um, uh, by Tuesday. You need, I think, 20 days before the game. A, a shocking number of people are coming to two baseball games with us. OK, and I remember I said four people would come to Minnesota. <laughs> and you said, no, you're way off, way off. And mm -hmm. uh, I think even you were low. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so all right. A, a lot of other logistics stuff. Also, if you are coming in from out of town, you can uh, message Akiva and he can help you uh, with uh, getting a hotel accommodations. Uh, if uh, anything else on that? No, I think that's it. I think okay. ice cream. You have to like. I. You have to offer me a job. I think at this point to get into the ice cream tournament. Okay. Uh, and, and then uh, and, and and then Renap. for. For Renap, we're going to do a live show, 7 o'clock p.m. We have we have a venue. The venue seats 80 right now. So I'm going to get mm -hmm. out a ticket link. Go to uh, R-A-A-N-A-P live. Renap, uh, robinswebsite.com slash Renap live. R-A-A-N-A-P live. We are going to sell tickets to the event. We have room for 80 right now, but we're not going to cap the tickets because if we end up going past 80, I think we could probably squeeze in uh, like 85. Yeah, it was know. 82. We could probably yeah. just make like who should sit. How about this? Right. It's 82. Who should sit on the floor? Let's pick now who the two people sit on the floor. <laughs> I, I pick Chester. Who else? <laughs> who else sits on the floor? Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Anyway, so if, if, if we end up going past the 80, we have uh, Scott St. Pierre actively looking for a bigger venue. 
Okay, so mm-hmm. we're going to have an Eventbrite. We're going to have a, a ticket link. The ticket is going to be $15 for the live show uh, with no other fees or anything on, on top of that. And then let's just see what the response is, because I think that that will end up weeding out the, the, the people that are really coming from the people that are sort of like artificially inflate, yeah, inflating yeah. our numbers to yeah. the point where we don't know what we uh, need to do. Okay, so that's going to separate the, the, you know, the real people from the fakers. Mm-hmm. So it's cheaper to see us than it is to see the Mets lose to the Twins two nights in a row. <laughs> that's well, well, as it should be. Okay. Yeah. So that's going to be that uh, robinswebsitecom slash Renap Live. And so the location, we're just going to we're just going to have it as TBD right now. But we have we have a location. And if uh, the location is subject to change, if we end up getting, you know, uh, a crazy response. Yes. This ended up being way more work than I think either of us realized. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. This was originally supposed to be me, you and Chester. In an Airbnb and then eventually in a mansion with like mm-hmm. a few people doing two podcasts. And now it has spiraled out of control. It, first world problems. Zero with world problems. Zero with uh, world. all around. Yeah. So Akiva. Now, mm-hmm. just to reiterate the live show, we are accepting pitches for the yes. idea. We have not talked about what the live show is going to be and that we are going to have a live show separate wheel. I want to make sure I have this correct. And mm-hmm. that we are today beginning to accept pitches for things that should be on the live show wheel, which will be yes. spun in on the episode leading up to this episode. You don't think it should be spun live at the event? Well, the problem is, I think that and based in, in my mind, that I think that a lot of the live show ideas will will require prep. prep. Otherwise, okay. we will have to have be ready to do backwards nine different the ideas, ideas at, the, yeah. at the show. And maybe there's a couple mm-hmm. of them that we could do on the fly. Right. But, you know, I, I think that we need to do some prep on There's very few podcasts that we come in or that or a guest has not done some prep. Right. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, and if you're thinking, hey, I'm not going to the live show, this doesn't uh, pertain to me. Well, it's a regular episode of the podcast that you're going to listen to afterwards. Yeah, whenever to- we get to that episode, we will be spinning mm-hmm. the live show wheel as opposed to the regular wheel. Yeah, so uh, this pertains to you if you're a listener and and send in your live shows even if you are not coming to uh, Minnesota. And come to Minnesota. It'll be fun. Okay. And um, then just just to uh, one, one other point. Again, I guess this is the show. All right. So yeah. the, the live show will be on the night of July 17th. Uh, yes. Does that mean? Wednesday. So we will not record an episode on uh, the weekend of July 13th, 14th, right? So we will spin the wheel on the episode that goes up the weekend of July yeah, 6th and 7th. Probably. And then... 10 days later, we will be uh, doing the episode that came up on the live show wheel. I suppose. Whatever you say. So 4th of July weekend, we will have an episode that will have the live show wheel spin. So, yeah, so we got two more to yeah. figure this out. So that's only so basically there's only two. So we have uh, yeah th- this episode and then uh, next week's episode and the week after that. That's the only mm-hmm. the only three episodes that we're going to have the live show wheel in place. A lot of housekeeping. Okay. Are there ideas from that are on the main wheel? Uh, Are there ideas that are on the main wheel, which can also be on the live show wheel? Okay. So that's a very good question. 
Let's start with some listener sent in live show ideas. We'll do two separate minute Mount Renat Moors right now. Okay. We'll do live show ideas and then regular wheel ideas. But then when we start talking about the regular wheel ideas, we can sort of use our noodles and try and think if there are any ideas that can that can work for both. Okay. Okay. So can Will from America start a new tab on at robhaswebsite.com slash wheel list that will be live show wheel ideas? This at this point has become the most complicated podcast on the Internet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right. So we embrace that. The one live show idea that we have, you know, considering in the hopper is the live hot takeoff. Okay. Live hot takeoff. Okay. That's what we we've sort of. All right. So here's some other listeners. We don't have Liana. We don't have Liana at the live show. I mean, listen, if the venue's big enough and we sell it out, we could probably fly Liana in. Mm hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, Robin Akiva need a best friend. This is a live show idea. This is a live show idea. Okay. Uh, Listeners come up. And they pitch themselves as our new best friend. Hmm. They give us reasons. And maybe we have like a bracket or some sort of like, you know, 40 people pitch. And then we we do a finals of the best eight. And then the person who's our best friend, uh, they get like to do best friend stuff with us. I don't know what that is. Like (laughs) they're in a group chat with us. If we have to come, if our wives are are mad at us, we'll let them know if we're complaining about our wives like that's in there. Uh, We will go through the entire venue, all 80 or 200 people, however much are there. And we will pick a new best friend. And they're our official podcast best friend. Now, I feel like that you and Chester kind of did this on 32 fans with the uh, best listener bracket. I don't think so, because this is live. And I think we're going to be asking people to make their case. Also, the best listener bracket was a huge regret of mine because we picked a guy who doesn't even listen to <laughs> Robin Akivanita podcast. Like, yeah, I, I have a lot of regrets about the best listener bracket. So like, the, like a redo. I think that this might be flattering ourselves to think that there are 80 people that are going to vie to be our best friend. I think that we're mm-hmm. lucky enough these people are coming and tolerate mm-hmm. us. But yeah. I don't know how many people are dying to be our best friend. Like, we're that great to be friends with. Right. OK. Secondly, uh, a similar idea. is I Robin am Akiva. admittedly yeah. not a great friend. Yeah, that's true. It's a group chat. Rob might not respond a lot to the group chat. Right. Right. Mm. So. You know, I think I am a a very prolific content creator. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think I am a particularly great friend. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of small business owners, which uh, technically that's what you are, right? Uh, Yeah. You don't think like I I think, you know, that's that's Uh, like, uh, are you saying that my business is a medium sized business or are you saying that I'm not really an business owner? You have not. Yeah, you could have like a billion dollar small business, I think. Okay. It's just how, you know, it's just how many like you're, you know, one or set, just a small, you know, operation. You don't have 100 employees at a no. working in a factory under your house. Do you like no grinding out podcasts? So I think it's a common, you know, when someone is essentially a sole proprietor, I think that's common that they, it's hard for them to be a good friend because they're they're married to the game and the game is podcasts. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I'm going to be married to the game in uh, just a short week or two. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not killing it in any other aspect of my life. Uh, mm-hmm. Very, you yeah. know, so-so husband, uh, you know, uh, okay, dad. Mm-hmm. Bad yeah. son. Bad. All right. Um, Rob, okay, so the other idea, which is, I believe, in the wheel waiting room, but it has a live component here, is Robin Akiva need a third wheel. So this is a lot like Robin Akiva need a best friend, but it's people coming up and pitching themselves as a future guest on the podcast, uh, giving them the giving us both the idea and also like we'll be able to see 
our chemistry with them, if they're how funny okay. or interesting they are. Yes. So okay. Rob and Akiva need a third wheel. So it's almost like we're speed dating as yes. a, trying out a, a third co-host, a third yes. wheel. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Uh, that's I think that's going to really incentivize people to uh, come out because it's almost like uh, coming to like a like survivor audition of like uh, that you are. Well, how badly do you think people want to get on the show? You could send oh, them one very badly. idea. Yeah, very badly. <laughs> I don't think I, I see now you're overestimating. I think people would rather be our best friend than be a guest on the oh, show. Uh, I, I 100% disagree with you. I think people would much uh, rather be on the this? podcast than be our best friend. Would you could we do a poll this yes. week? Would you rather be yes. our best friend or be a guest on the podcast? Yes. Okay. Fine. All right. Almost so those every ideas- single person that listens to the podcast wants to be a guest on the podcast. Hmm. Very few of those people want to be our best friend. So how about whichever one wins gets to be on the live wheel? Best friend or third wheel? Mm. Well, I think that you the hate third the best friend idea. I don't really care for the best friend idea. But the third wheel is like, you know, say, say we had 70 people there. Could we I sort think of like could sign up beforehand? Also, I think maybe we could sign sign people up beforehand. You know, the third wheel if you want. It's to. sort of it's sort of like are we shuttling the audience through one minute at a yeah. time mm-hmm. and then having them uh, come up? I think I think we could. Uh, I, I think we could sort of do some logistics beforehand, especially with your idea where we'd have ten days to. Uh, you know, know what the of the is. seventy people there, how many people then are go want to be on the thing? You know, if it's say forty. Then are we sort of like giving two minutes each to a person and then well, they just... we have 40 people want to be the third wheel. We have to listen to all 40. Are, are, maybe, this... they, maybe they make a pre pitch for like why they should be the third wheel. I mean, is it sort of like the like, like the, the gong show where we're sort of like, are we, you know, well, that's uh, rough. If we're like literally in front of their face gonging them, I don't think that's 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 like, a tough one. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess. So. so it's similar to when we did the uh, the call in the pitch idea. Yeah. So yes. very similar. People like uh, that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can't get accused of like uh, favoritism. These are the people that are there. Yeah, that's true. So um, hmm. I like the third wheel idea. OK. All right. We're not we're not committing to any of these this week. Maybe next week we'll really lock in a few. Um, uh, are you cooler than Akiva? This is from Shut Up Tim. OK. Listeners come up and they we try and say if they're they they give their pitch as to they're cool. And then we vote if they're cooler than Akiva. How we voting is somebody the coolest listener like they get crowned our coolest listener. Yeah. Every single person person that that comes up will get voted. I'm not I'm not trying to shade you. I'm just saying that I'm I'm saying that that'll be like uh, everybody will everyone will vote for whoever comes up will will be cooler than you. So probably true. uh, true. I I don't and I don't mean that that was like, uh, you know, who's to say they actually are or not. But that'll be, Mm -hmm. the you know, the running joke. All right. Another idea. Uh, Put Put on the wheel a total request live episode where listeners come up and tell us what to chat about live. Hmm. So basically they come up and they're like, hey, for the next 10 minutes, can you do this? It's like uh, we're on demand, basically. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's kind of like not an idea. It's almost like yeah. uh, I, I don't know if I would want to necessarily go to a live show that was right, just right. Cut, like, like uh, what if someone comes up and they're like, hey, talk about chess for 10 minutes. I don't know if we have 10 minutes of chess material. Right. Or. Talk about, you know, something that's, uh, you know, depressing or talk about something right. that's, you know, uh, like uh, hypercharged. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't know. I think that thing that's that's too much. OK, here I've had this. It's called Idea Bounty. We start off the live show asking for ideas. 
So somebody, I guess this is a pretty similar idea. So now, somebody says, who's sending these ideas in? Uh, this, I think it's a, a few of these are shut up, Tim. Okay. All right. Uh, um, idea band. We started the show asking for ideas. So you, somebody says, "Hey, Minnesota's trash." Do ten minute. Do uh, do a Minnesota's trash episode. Mm-hmm. And then if people like the episode, we give them fifty dollars. What? But if the episode that they pick that we did for ten minutes is bad, the audience votes every ten minutes. Then they have to give us fifty bucks for their pitch. <laughs> Who's giving us fifty dollars? The person who's like Minnesota's trash. Yeah, it's like. We're basically betting if it's going to be a good podcast or not. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I was like, I guess, can we throw it? Because we're the podcast. Can we just Why do a bad job? Why all shut up Tim's ideas involve money changing hands? I think the money might be my, the money aspect is, I think I, uh, I tweaked his idea. Okay. Um, yeah, he just wants to give us all his money. Shut up, Tim. Doesn't he have a family to take care of? Uh, maybe he's independently wealthy. Must be nice. Um, <laughs> Must be nice. Uh, uh, what about playing Family Feud? Okay. We, we pick two families out of the audience may, and maybe like there's a left side and a right side and they're, you know, someone's playing for the left side. Someone's playing for the right side. And we poll the audience members in the interim week and then we uh, we play family feud with them. Okay. Well, I, I think that that's too incestuous to have it be a family feud of the audience. And then okay, also we poll the, people, the listening so, audience, so, not just the live audience. Yeah, but we know what the questions were. Uh, so so there'd be too much leaks. So we have to figure out a, a different way to uh, to do well, that. They wouldn't leak what they they would just leak the questions, not the answers. I guess Worst so, but there, there'd be too much. Oh, sort we could of, have like a special council of people who we okay. trust to be like, just like fifty people <laughs> who aren't coming. I don't know. We so, all, right, all right, so let's. So we'll, we'd have to. We have to like actually like use like questions that were from the show or so, or something like that. Um, okay, that's but, okay. So this is interesting. So we have the fam the family feud. So people would would have to then. So it'd be Rob versus Akiva. Yeah, and we'd each maybe pick a family. Yeah, well, yes. And so people, I think, would have to tell us. And Chester would be part of the Akiva family. And then, you know, I well, guess. Who's the host then? Maybe maybe someone's like asking the questions. I don't know who's asking the questions. Mm-hmm. Is Chester uh, and, asking the questions, maybe? Yeah. And then, uh, but then, yeah, you and I wouldn't get to talk that much. So I think it's fun, but I, I don't know if it would necessarily work for uh, a, live a live show. show. Okay. Maybe, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's a regular show idea. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that, that's it's fun. It, it's fun. I, I just don't know. Like, it's a lot of people on the podcast at once. Yeah. And like, I feel like it could be something like uh, I, I would do it in like if we had like t- like time to do in like another thing in Minnesota, like that might be a fun mm-hmm. thing to do. Right. But I don't know if that would work great for the the live show. It's a little, you know, it. I got it. It's a lot, a lot of, you know, well, I, I, maybe we'll do it after the baseball game on Tuesday night. We'll do a pretend family. Feud I think that that would be fun. Yeah. The, uh, we, we invite we need... people back to the hotel and we'll play family feud in, uh, in Rob's <laughs> hotel room. Okay. Fine. Fine. Manchester hotel. Room. Um, okay. Uh, uh, somebody said we should, I don't know who said this, uh, that we should have a game of survivor, but I think this is a, survivor. A, a no survivor podcast. Well, some sort of reality show where it starts like there's competitions and we're trying to get like the winningest listener. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, that, that, that's, uh, I think, complicated as a podcast. It is. I think audio wise, it'll be complicated, too, to get 16 people talking to a mic or 12 people. whatever. All right. So I think that's what for now. That's what we're starting with. We have uh, Robin, Aki- hot takeoff and third wheel are the really two. Oh, I have one more. Actually, this is mine. OK, Um. It's it's sort of like a dating game. Uh, basically, 
we either maybe the night before or at the very beginning of the podcast, we assign random listeners. So let's say it's like Sean, the mailman and Claire from the podcast a few weeks ago. Okay. okay. And they've never met each other. And then they, I wonder if we could do like three game shows in one is like one of the ideas. Like we did Family Feud and this. So they um, either, like if it's the night before, they like have time to ask to meet each other or it's at the live event when we're starting the podcast. Like they have like 10 minutes to just ask each other as many questions as possible. And then we basically grill them as if they were a, a couple, like asking them questions about each other. If I'm a listener of that podcast, mm-hmm. why yes. why would I why do I care if uh, Sean the mailman and Claire got to know each other that well in uh, ten minutes? I mean, it's a good question. It's a good question. So, is it interesting to the live audience? I, I don't know if there's enough there in that format. Uh, I got it. What you if know. we played three different games? What if we play like Family Feud match game and like a third game, but they were each like twenty five minutes. I feel like that it's kind of like having uh, three quarterbacks uh, in a competition in uh-huh. uh, training yeah. camp. If you have yeah. three, you have zero. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's funny because the Jets almost always have, like this is the first year <laughs> they don't have a quarterback. All right. Yeah. So that's it for now for the live show ideas. But please send in more live show ideas, whether you're coming or not. OK, um, but that was a promising first batch. All right, let's get to the real Mount okay. Rinat. And, okay. and then do we want to look at anything that's on the existing wheel and say that that could be on the All live right, show wheel? So, uh, yeah, I thought we were going to do that uh, when we were talking about we, what's we could, on the wheel. So we could do that at the end. The okay, we, okay, so let's, let's just uh, revisit what is on the existing wheel. And then let's just talk about real quick if uh, that could also double as an idea that mm-hmm. is on the main wheel as well, going into our live show, which we are still waiting for some uh, better branding for the big uh, the Minnesota name of the live show or yes. the name of the whole weekend. Yes. Also, uh, the whole thing, I guess, Renap Live is the name of the of the live show. Yes. If something goes on the live wheel, does it remain on the original wheel also? Yeah, I think so. And then if we end up, it ends up coming up in the next couple of weeks, then it's off the live show wheel. Now, we can't watch anything live, right? Like what? Like a season three, like, episode seven? I, I, like half of our ideas involve us watching a show and talking about it or watching a movie. And right, right. So uh, I would say, though, I, I have uh, seen the suggestion of the Royal Rumble should be live. I mean, I think we could play something live and talk over it, but I don't think that mm-hmm. we could watch a season three, episode seven and then recap it. It is a fun idea the, like that we'd find because we don't know what the war roll. You know, it's been sitting in a file for months at this point. Uh, it would be fun to watch it live. It would be like a cool treat. But I do. I just don't think it would make for a great live podcast. Why is like, that? People would be yelling over it. I think uh, the, what the audience at home, what are they listening to? They're listening to us watching it and talking about well, it with the crowd. I, just like the real Royal Rumble podcast that we will also post the YouTube video and say to start it now. And I so they're watching but, the thing. But I also think one thing that I haven't really discussed because it's never come up is I think there's going to be a lot of pauses on the Royal Rumble podcast for reasons that are logistic that we could get into when it gets picked. Why I is that? Uh, I, I The way it starts is very rapid fire for the first six people. And also, I have a couple ideas. I don't need to spoil everything, yet, but I, I, it, it makes a lot of the way okay, he fine, showed me a fine. sample rumble. I just don't think it works as a live podcast. Okay, all right. So we won't we won't include that as the. Uh, what, there, what if? Well, what about this? What if we got a wrestling ring 
and then actually had a Royal Rumble at oh, the live show. I love it. Is it a real Royal Rumble or is it scripted? I think it's, it's real. Uh, uh, you and I are, and see who's gonna, you who's and like I are the ringside anna- announcers. Oh, so we're not in the ring. We, we wouldn't be able to podcast and, and then also be in the rumble. Although I guess okay. we would probably be kicked out very quickly. So maybe we yeah, could I'm just looking. Go. Yeah, we were, we're, we're big targets. We're big threats. Um, yeah. Looking at who, like Brett Farenkoff would bet against himself. He'd get out right away. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think who would win this live Royal Rumble of the people. Who are, I don't see. I don't know a lot of the Minnesotans who are coming. Okay. There could all be right. a real sleeper. So, all right. Uh, just to run things down. Okay. So, uh, Oregon Trail. Could that be a live show? Uh, I think it's the same exact thing as the Royal Rumble. I don't okay. think so. All right. Uh, MTV shows are trash. No infomercials are trash. Uh, uh, if, if Ali Lasher promises to come, I think MTV shows are trash. It would be one of our best ideas. OK, but uh, uh, I think she is studying for the bar and she is not coming. Millennials killed it. No. No, we need a man. There have been. OK, what about coming. census? What could could that could the census be taken in the week leading up to it and then have the it's census? Not, it's not fair to Taylor Cotter. OK, that's the issue. I think it's a good idea. But Taylor Cotter, it's her baby. And uh uh, she's not coming. Okay. Yeah, Taylor Carter, if you want to come, we'll do the census live. Okay. Uh, sequel mechanism. Final. Uh, well, final four is uh, not on the wheel. Uh, uh, Mount Rushmore and Akiva's Mystery Two. Uh, so uh, all all those are gone, right? Yeah. Uh, Canadian shows are trash. Mm-hmm. And am I the the a hole? Which uh, oh, let let me update the while we're talking about this. Let me update uh, something wheel related. Yeah. I, so Canadian I, TV shows are trash. Okay. Um, we got an email from, uh, I believe it was, uh, Gregory McBean, a Canadian. Yes. And he said, uh, you guys for March gave special, uh, preference to bracket related podcasts. Well, this coming weekend or really month, the, the following Monday is Canada day. I didn't know that it's July 1st is Canada day. Okay. Can, so he asked, can Canadian shows or trash get a little boost in the wheel for one week because of Canada day? Hmm. I think that's fair. We have a crazy amount of Canadian listeners percentage wise. Is that for this uh, week's spin or next week? That's this. That's this week's spin because it's the episode that will air next weekend, which is Canada Day weekend. OK. Uh, the question is, how many should it get seven spots? Because it's in July. How many spots should the Canada Day podcast? Oh, I, get? I was going to say uh, two that you I thought we were it's a one time boost. Extras. So it's a one time boost. It will still have less than I think season three, episode seven, which is at. A crazy number. I don't even know the number. Um, My concern is that yeah. we don't have our people uh, set up. And I feel like oh, I would. know I know who's oh, okay. I know who's doing it. The, the problem is, are they going to be busy because it's mostly Canadians? Are they going to be busy with Canada Day related things? If is they're, this sort if of they're like too busy the to be on the podcast, then we've chose the wrong people. That's true. And I, 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 one thing I was thinking about, if we could be real for a second, not so real, it's not <laughs> important, Yeah, is. Like, like the issue with the Caitlin Herman podcast, I think having podcasts that are super tied to one guest personality, which we did have today, and Antonio was super busy and it was hard to book him. Luckily, we had 17 days to book him or whatever, is tricky. So I do think we, for a podcast like that, even though I have given out the slots already for Canadian TV shows or trash, yes. if you can't, when that gets picked, like we're not postponing the podcast because yes. you can't come. Like, so I, I think we should steer, unless we have... Well, a superstar guest okay. or uh, I was going to superstar guest or Al Asher. Al Asher, superstar this guest who has two less spots of an issue wheel. during the Survivor offseason. It's it's more of an issue during the Survivor. Well, it's a general idea, Rob, where it's like any guest that could be, you know, 
you know, Taylor Cotter has her own spot. Ali Lasher has two. We don't, you know what I mean? I don't, I, we shouldn't tie too many spots to people who everything depends on their availability. And then we find that on Tuesday, like, oh, they can't record for the next week. Anyway, I, by the way, I did pick the shows and I mean, I have to run them by you, but I picked the shows, picked the people for Canadian TV shows are trash. So you tell me how many spots it should get on today's wheel. I think we can go with two spots. Okay. So Rob doesn't like Canadians. I get it. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to stack the wheel so much. I feel like that we have a ton of stuff, but yeah. Um, yeah. What, what do well, you want? Two you, isn't you want to, so many. If you want to, you want to compromise? Fine. What would split the baby four and a half. Okay. You, I said seven. You said two. All right. So it, it, it'll end up being five. Okay. Well, no, you could do four. We could round down to four. No, we'll round, we'll round up. We'll be, we'll be round up to five. So we'll be generous. Okay. Okay. So five spots today only goes back to one. If it's not picked, Canadian TV shows are trash. Uh, and we might have to look far and hard to um, find a guest because they might all be busy unless we've picked like nerds. They're all going to be busy <laughs> celebrating Canada Day weekend, assuming there is such a thing as Canada Day weekend. And it's not just a one day holiday. Yeah. I have no idea. And I don't think you know either. I'm only a quarter Canadian. I don't know most of this. As long as we're not being tools. punked. Right. OK. Also, uh, one of our guests is American. So I assume he's got nothing going on. OK. Um. All right. Fine. And the other thing, uh, speaking of uh, stuff that was put on the wheel last episode, am I the a-hole? We did not like that name, right? We didn't love the name, but should that be on the live show wheel? Well, let me tell you what I think it's going to be. And then maybe the answer is no, but you but there are options. So we got a lot of submissions, actually, Rob, for am I the a-hole? But some of them are more relationship questions that aren't specifically am I the a-hole? So I think let's move away from the a-hole branding, which we don't want the title anyway. Okay, and I and I think this am I the a hole becomes millennial judge. Okay, because people are writing in uh, with questions, and we're going, and some of them are legal, and some of them are are more, uh, you know, who's right and who's wrong. And I think our millennial judge Ali Lasher, who has already approved this, uh, will be our third guest for this episode, and she uh, and we will decide the three of them. You know, three of us will. You know, sometimes it'll be who's the a hole. Sometimes it's. You know who's in the right and who's in the wrong, or should I do this? Sometimes it's advice, uh, but I, I think that's I think that's okay. a better branding. And now we found our millennial judge podcast, which has been in the wheel waiting room for like six months. Okay, so millennial judge is officially on the uh, is officially on the wheel now. Yeah, and it's and it's eligible this week because Am I the was already on the wheel. It's just we're rebranding the name. Okay. Yeah. All right, so we're now just going to call Am I the A-Hole Millennial Judge? And so then right. it cannot be a live show idea because Ali Lasher is not going to be there. Right, unless, I mean, Ali Lasher would be, as uh, we say in the, the Jewish biz, uh, Mochel her covered. I think she would be okay with not being the judge, like being the person if we could do that live. And we had like, you know, Chester's an attorney. I'm sure there's other attorneys there who are good. Um, like, in th- like in theory, That's we could turning have- a lot of the live show over to Chester. It's no, he, well, he's just right. I guess he's just the third guest. He's not coming up with the questions. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's going to, by the way, he's going to eat all 32 ice creams. So he's going to be sick. Trust <laughs> He's going to be in our hotel room throwing up. He's not even going to be at the live show. Or, or if you remember our previous live show, he will be have a computer in front of his face, making it through a fantasy football trade, completely ignoring us when we call on him. Oh boy. Um, okay. All right. All right. Let's get to the, let's get to the, uh, the regular mailbag quickly. Okay. 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 Let me this a long quick, episode quickly as we are, uh, you know, yeah, approaching uh, hours two in. hours and 20 minutes into the podcast. Yeah. OK. Um, we after we named a baby. Yeah. Rob, we got a lot of uh, inquiries if we'd be interested in helping out people's life cycle events. 
I'm going to read you two of them. Okay. okay. Uh, so first, Cody, he's pitching Robin Akiva officiate a wedding. Okay. I know weddings aren't Rob's or your thing necessarily. That's not true. If he's a big listener, he knows I always want to be invited to people's weddings, but not show up. Uh, Cody's wedding is in May 2020, and it's in Hawaii. Hey, you liked Hawaii, right? You were just there. Yeah, it's good. Uh, so, but it's a weird pitch to have you come. Like, it would be cool if like, oh, I've never been to Hawaii, but you were literally just there last week. Mm -hmm. He knows that we're slightly warming up to traveling. So Hawaii shouldn't be too bad. First of all, Cody, talk to us after the Minnesota trip when we may both vow to never leave our houses again. Um, he says the episode could be you guys preparing for the wedding, interviewing other officiants. Wait, there's other officiants. I, I think he must, he must meet attendees. Uh, Pre-wedding day interview with him and his wife. The recording of the officiating, whatever we want to do. We have free reign of Cody's wedding. Okay. So the, the wedding's in Hawaii and we get to yeah. officiate it. Uh, Can I ask you a question? Yes. Assuming Cody doesn't live in Hawaii, which he didn't say he does. So I'm assuming this is a destination wedding. Mm -hmm. How many friends do you think he has that are actually coming to Hawaii for this wedding? Coming, like, could you imagine? I do you even have 10 people that could go that if you were getting married tomorrow in Hawaii would come. I don't have a double digits amount. I don't think my family would come. Yeah, well, some people, uh, you know, probably want to get to Hawaii. So you do weed out yeah. a lot of people, but there is sort of like the yeah. uh, destination wedding crowd. Sure. That is why we need best friends, because we don't even have any friends who would come to Hawaii for our weddings. Um, all right. So you're, are you out on Cody's wedding? We're offered. We've been offered this on the Sunfield podcast a few mm -hmm. times. Officiate. Cody's wedding. I just don't know if that's an exciting podcast of yeah. like. Uh, it's what also you, like who's like who's paying? Are you paying for our hotel and trip to Hawaii, Cody? Are you offering? Yeah, like uh, dearly beloved, we're gathered here today. Like, uh, it, it, like if we're gonna if it's gonna be a good podcast, it's gonna be a horrible uh, yes, wedding. It's should. either a good podcast, bad wedding, <laughs> or horrible podcast, good wedding, <laughs> and possibly bad podcast and bad wedding because we've never officiated a wedding. Yeah, yeah. OK, uh, I also think if you're pitching it, ideally, it's in the uh, contiguous, uh, you know, the, the 48 states. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It'd be funny if like someone's getting married in Oslo and we're going to Norway for a wedding or something. You're just way more into weddings uh, talk. I'm than not I into am. weddings, by the way. This is a disaster because I only care about eating and I can't eat at this not kosher wedding anyway. So I'm totally out also. OK. All right. Unless I'm getting paid. Um, also, like think about how mad our wives are about the Minnesota trip, like. How many vendetta trips our wives would be planning if we just went to Hawaii for a podcast? Yeah, I don't know if you've been following on the uh, patron five for five, but you know, I, saw, I saw I have not really talked to my wife in real life about the Minnesota trip. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You know, she didn't know that I was going. She had to move some things around with her work schedule. And uh, but then, so I, I only have engaged with her on podcasts about this uh, mm -hmm. subject. And then she has really turned it into like, well, if you're doing this, then I'm going on, then I'm going with my friends and I'm going on vacation. I'm like, wh why do you have to have like spite vacations like uh, where you're doing all this? Like I'm, I'm doing a podcast. This is my job. Uh, she's like, nope, nope, nope. So she's really like getting like very vindictive about can this. I, can I drop a hot take? Yeah. Yeah, I'm 100 percent on Nicole's side. I think if, yes. you, if you go to Minnesota now, I don't think now your issue isn't that she wants to go on a trip, which you'd be fine with her doing. Your issue is that she only wants to go on this trip out of spite. Right. Well, that I, it's a revenge trip. Right. But I don't think you care if she goes a non sleepover trip, just hang out with her friends in wine country. 
for the day. You don't ultimately care. That's a like you're going away for for two nights. You know, she is. Uh, this is a, a day trip. I think that's not a big deal. You know, look, if she if she wanted to do something, uh, you know, do something. I just don't understand why, like uh, this, this podcast trip is turning into, oh, well, now I have to get revenge and and I'm going to go do this and uh, I'll be uh, I'm going to be getting wasted and you're going to be watching the kids all day and not podcasting. Yeah. All right. Okay. so one more life cycle. It seems very very spiteful. I hear you. I, your issue isn't the idea. It's the it's the uh, it's the motive behind the idea. OK, mm-hmm. the Bryce is right. Right. Yes. It. He okay. actually has two ideas on this week's Mountain Atmore. Yes. He says, hey, Akiva, I'm sitting down. I don't know why he didn't uh, ask you. I'm sitting down for my girlfriend's birthday tonight, which I'm, this might, might be from six weeks ago. And I just missed it also. And she sees that I'm a bit distracted. She said, hey, Bryce is right. Why are you so distracted? And I said, I was thinking of ideas for the wheel. Wait, Robin Akiva ruining relationships one at a time. So then he explained the wheel and she throws out, what about Rob and Akiva plan a proposal? Okay. Because we've been dating long enough and you guys just named a baby and that spurred a bunch of other life event requests. How did he know? But where I messed up and told her my original proposal idea over dinner a few months ago, uh, so I can't use it anymore. And since then, I've been unable to come up with a good way to propose. I think this could be the next best option. Okay. So now, should we plan and we could get maybe some sort of wedding or proposal expert similar to you know, similar to the babynames.com lady. Uh, should we plan Bryce is right and his girlfriend, who ostensibly does not listen to the show or else it would be spoiled. Mm-hmm. Should we plan their proposal for it? Well, wasn't this her idea? Yeah, she, she just wants us to play. She clearly is waiting for that ring. She is so desperate to get married that she's yeah. willing to let two idiots plan yes. out how her uh, boyfriend is going to propose to her. But I think this could be funny if we get like some real wedding people involved. I don't know if me and you will have. have, you, I, have I think you it could be funny if we don't get some real wedding people. Oh, if it, we do it, it, it. But I feel bad because it's I mean, the truth it, is there's look, less pressure here than the baby. Name, here, right? Here's the thing. Uh, much like the, the wedding to speech, it's either going to be a good proposal or a good podcast. Right. It probably won't be both. Yeah, but I know we, we're going nuts. And we also he needs to give us a budget that's at least like 10 grand because we're flying helicopters. We're not me and you. We're not leaving the house. But like th- this proposal is going to involve a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So what do you uh, think? I think you don't I, think I, this would be a guest episode. Well, uh, you, you really want to talk through some sort of like a uh, like good proposal like it would be funny if we talked about how like uh like you know we like they like fake a murder and a crime scene yeah, and no like, it could be i mean know. we could get a, a guest who who wants something insane like we could make it clear before and like we're not going for the most romantic proposal we're going for like a good story yeah mm-hmm. murder crime scene that's not bad <laughs> but yeah if it's gonna be like getting all lovey-dovey no I, I don't think that anybody wants to hear that what about this what if it's not a whole episode but it's like the mailbag segment one week Email in and pitch us your proposals and then we'll pitch. Maybe we'll call Bryce for a mailbag and we'll pitch him proposals one week soon. How does that sound? Uh, I'm not super You're not excited even interested about in talking it. about it. Yeah. What if one person writes in a really good one and then we call him up briefly and ask him about sure. it? Sure. If the audience has a okay. really good proposal. Yeah. but OK, you know. fine. All right. So Bryce is right. Has another idea that has nothing to do with his personal life. OK. It's called Robin Akiva do Billy Madison. Just like that classic Adam Sandler movie, Billy Madison. By the way, what's better movie, Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore? I like Billy Madison. I, th- I like Happy Gilmore, but yeah. there's no wrong answer there. Uh, if somebody said like Mr. Deeds or like Little Nicky, I'd be concerned. 
Rob and Akiva have to go through first grade through 12th grade in one podcast. He's going to put together a 12 question test. He's happy to administer it or have someone like shut up, Tim. No, we'd rather you uh, do it. The questions will be ranging in topics. Each question increases in difficulty as the first question is the first grade level question. And as the questions grow up, so does the associated grade level with the 12th question, of course, being a senior year of high school grade level. Do Rob and Akiva have what it takes to graduate again? What do you think? Sounds like a long podcast. Well, we're each just answering 12 questions. The only thing is I think he'd need to ask us different questions mm-hmm. because like we're going to like walk away from the computer every time or he's going to ask you and I walk away for 10 minutes. Like that doesn't work. So I think he'd need to ask. That's not that many questions. It's less questions than when shut up Tim's when shut up Tim's money or the Jeopardy. Right. It's How do you feel about this? I definitely don't hate it, but I also like how about. OK, so this is on the wheel. Next week it comes up. Are you excited for Robin Akiva do Billy Madison? No. Will for America, put this in the waiting room. Sometimes you don't like an idea, but then a few weeks later you like it. So maybe we'll bring this up uh, another time. You know, when we're in answering like, you know, 11th grade algebra questions, like, is that is that fun for anybody? I guess probably not. You know, I I mean, you've already proven you're smarter than me officially on the podcast. (laughs) So I don't know what we're trying to, you know, to do. Uh, determine. All right. Well, you got one more, uh, one more pitch. This yeah. Week, with, okay? with all due respect to uh, the Bryce is right. Um, yeah. You know, I, I feel the like Bryce it's, is wrong, it, bitch. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's I feel like it's missing uh, yeah. some some hook. That's a happy good one. Yeah, I, I got yeah, that. Maybe got there's that. another hook. Maybe someone can send punch it up. Okay. Uh, Ellen says Ellen had once pitched uh, a Real Housewives fishbowl idea, and we nixed it. Okay. Okay. She's coming back. She brought in a ringer for this pitch. If this doesn't work out, she's officially pledging to drop her housewife's idea pretty much in the same way she swears she will stop going to Target every week. I'm assuming she's a big uh, (laughs) Target goer. Ellen has a celebrity guest. She has exchanged direct messages on Twitter with one Bryce Isaiah, a.k.a. the Purple Pants Badass. That's a a, uh, very funny Survivor player for the non-Survivor listeners. Mm -hmm. And he's agreed to guest on Robin Akiva Nita podcast as a real housewives expert. He says he has some ideas of his own and they also uh, discussed uh, her original idea, which is just uh, doing a a, a specific episode, a vacation episode. Another idea was we would rank the housewives tagline, but I think the vacation episode. So it's basically a a fishbowl uh, or it's his own will spot. I don't know. She's volunteering to do the legwork. The episodes are on Hulu. She could provide any outlines, background summaries on Housewives or even to be available offline during the podcast for questions. Honestly, just getting on Mount Renatmore would make my day. Well, and you're on Mount Renatmore. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Bryce Isaiah? And we are the Robin Akiva are the real and Bryce are the real house husbands uh, of uh, Beverly so Hills. Is she picking out one specific episode that we're going to yeah, watch? She's, she's picking out an episode and we're going to I mean, I guess, yeah, with Bryce's approval. Uh, and we'd watch an episode of Real Housewives with Bryce. OK, do you how do you feel about this? I think people will be excited for Bryce. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how many people are dying to hear us talk about the Real Housewives. I mean, it's us. No matter what, Rob, it's us. Like we're mm-hmm. stuck. They're stuck with us. For this podcast. Right. <laughs> May as well get Bryce. Get, get some talent on here. OK. Um, I think it's good. I think people get excited. The only issue is I just gave a whole soliloquy about how we don't want um personality based shows on the wheel and now basically we're like we're not doing the housewives podcast if, Bra- if bryce is unavailable that week you yeah know? That, that's right so so now will ellen commit to asking but so now we're, i don't want to bother bryce this is going to be 
a huge nuisance. Because normally if it was someone who I didn't care about bothering, I'd say, fine, but you have to ask them every week. Hey, are you available? Or like, let me know when you're not available. And then we just take it off the wheel for a week like we've done with people in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. I hate when we pick something and we find that on Tuesday. I think I'm fine putting it on. If Bryce has already agreed, uh, Bryce has already done like a Survivor South Africa podcast. So he's clearly yes. available for podcasts so- this summer. What I would say is uh, let's just put it into the, you know, on deck circle where let's just confirm mm-hmm. this with Bryce and everything. And then uh-huh. uh, if everything checks out on his end, then we can uh, add this to Ellen the You think Ellen is lying? Ellen would not lie. No, I don't think he's lying. But sometimes, you know, uh, that somebody might have a conversation where with all right. due respect to Ellen, maybe he was just being nice on a DM yeah. and, and didn't think yeah. that this was going to be a real thing. And so... Yeah. Uh, I think I'm sure Bryce is listening 17 hours into this episode. So, Bryce, let us know. Right. Right. I think that like anything, you know, it can't go on the wheel this week. Let's just, you know, cross all our T's and dot our I's and, uh, Mm. you know, make sure that we have it all uh, set up. Okay, so we didn't really add anything. We tweaked a few ideas and we added five spots for uh, Canadian TV shows are trash for one week only. Okay. Okay. And this might, is this the longest episode we've ever done? I don't think so. I think it's it's probably something that's longer, but it's, uh, it's up there. Okay. All right. We, we told you everything that was going to be on the wheel. Uh, season three, episode seven, uh, is up to, uh, number, uh, one other spot, which is now getting it to six spots on the wheel for, I think it's seven. Seven. Yeah. I I feel like my, my changes, uh, from last week did not save. Okay. All right. So, there you go. And then Akiva, we had also talked about potentially episode number 40 was going to be an all uh, cleaning out the wheel. Yeah, waiting we'll clean room. out the wheel waiting room next week. Plus, we'll do uh, we'll do live. Uh, we'll do live show updates, live show ideas and then cleaning out the wheel. And waiting also take room. Uh, Akiva's mystery episode out. It's out for the whole summer. OK, because out of guest availability s- out for the summer. Yeah. Put it in the put in the waiting room. Will. OK. All right. So uh, with all that behind us, can we uh, can we call it Will's wheel wheel waiting room because Will manages it? Will's wheel waiting room. Will's wheel waiting room. I'm yeah. okay with it. Uh, Change but the, the tab, Will. But the link is still robhaswebsite.com. Yeah, no, it's just wheel, one tab on the page changes to Will's wheel's waiting room. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, are you ready for the spin? Yes. Big spot on the wheel for season three, episode seven. Big spot on the wheel for Canadian shows are trash in observance mm-hmm. of uh, Canada week day weekend next yeah. week. So uh, let's see what comes up. Here we go. For episode number Actually, 40. Diaper, still never been picked. Can you believe it? Episode 40. They said oh, we'd man. never get there. We still might not. Oh, man. The wheel is cursed, Akiva, or jinxed, Why? however you want to do it, because the, it's a crappy movie diaper. Wow. The second I bring it, it listen, up. It right. listens. Yes. Okay. So now I have to get my hat out. We got to watch a movie this week. We got to watch a movie. I mean, listen, if you're going to watch it, first of all, I said, are you going to want to watch a movie? You're like, yeah. And now you're <laughs> upset about watching a movie and it's your least busy time. You can watch a movie tonight. <laughs> you got nothing going on until, okay. until your show starts. supposed to barbecue. Yeah. I mean, so watch it tomorrow morning. Okay. And no, first of all, the, the I'll good forget thing about it. bad movies. I'll forget it by the time we do the podcast. If I watch the it, the good tonight. thing about bad movies, Rob, is a lot of times they're only like eighty minutes. The yeah. good movies sometimes are like three hours. Not a lot all of right. long bad movies. Yeah, I, except for like the really bad ones, like uh, probably like the Kevin Costner movies, like The Postman and mm-hmm. Waterworld World or whatever. Okay, so I have the 1997-1998 Super Bowl thirty two hat 
with a diaper inside, but the, <laughs> the, the pieces of paper, not really in the diaper. I don't even think we have all the pieces of paper here, to be honest, but we're going to have to, we're going to deal with what, with what we have. Okay. okay. Hold on. Can I get a drum roll? Okay. Yeah. So it has been pulled. Yes. I okay. pulled one. All right. I all didn't right. open it yet, though. All right. Here we go. We're watching National Treasure. <laughs> oh, boy. That might be the long one, actually. That might be much longer than, uh, than uh, like, Kazam. Okay. Or, or North. Episode number 40. Oh, so that's not called National Treasure, though. What's it called? If you remember. Oh, Robin, Robin Keeves Steel, the Declaration of yeah, Independence? Yeah, it's called Robin okay. Keeves Steel, the Declaration of Independence. No guests or anything for uh, National Treasure? I mean, if Nick Cage wants to come on, he is more than welcome. Okay. What do Got you think? It. I mean, if there's like a National Treasure maniac out there, like a, not like a listener, but like a comedian who's their favorite movie and they want to come on and talk about it, I'm, I'm game. Okay. Fair enough. You could pitch your guests, but assume it's just going to be us. I think that's going to be a good podcast. That's going to be fun. Should be fun. Okay. So, You're just not happy. Let's can we get the runtime for National Treasure? Uh, let me see. National. I don't know if I have all eight. Is it bad if I don't have all eight uh, uh show ideas in here? I don't know what happened to this. <laughs> well, what do you, what, what do you have in there? Why well, I gotta open them all up? It just doesn't look like seven more in here. Okay. All right. So just to reset, what was in the crappy movie diaper? Yeah, uh, we should have said it before. Eddie the Animal, yes. Leprechaun yes. Two, Kazam, Mac mm. and Me. Dunstan checks in North yeah. and National Treasure. I think I would have probably had uh, National Treasure at about number five or six in my power rankings. Of, it's not uh, the bottom for me. I, Mac and yeah. me, I don't even know what it is. That's the bottom for me. <laughs> that might be number one it's the for most, me. I think it's the most popular of the eight. I mean, maybe not like for podcast wise. It, 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 it is the most iconic, I think, of the eight. What is the runtime on the 2004 film National Treasure? Uh, I could tell you that it is. It's going to be way too long. Oh, it's two hours, 11 minutes. Okay. It's not horrendous, but it's okay. long. Yeah, it is long. Okay. All right. We'll talk about yeah. it. Take uh, Is it National a kid friendly movie? Can we show? I don't think we could. Is it PG 13? We I can't think show it's it to our kids, right? Probably, you know, uh, on the cusp of PG. Uh, it is PG. I mean, a cage could get canceled any week. Like, who knows what's going to happen before this? Mm hmm. Yeah. You would have rather watch Eddie or Kazam than National yes. Treasure? Yes. All right. Well, also, you know, we've learned this is our 39th episode. We've learned, like, if you don't want something, then just take it off the wheel or the fishbowl no, or that's the fine. diaper. It's fine. I, I, think no, I think people will be, be excited, excited for it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just saying my, my personal power rankings, I probably would have had it at five or six. What was your number one on that list? The Leprechaun 2? Oh, Leprechaun 2. I don't think I've ever watched The Animal. Uh, Kazam, I think, would be a, a lot to talk about. I, I actually, I prefer Shazam. Uh, which is the other genie movie, um, which I, I which I remember from uh, mm -hmm. growing up. Uh, Mac yeah. and me, I'm very excited for. Uh, I think North uh, might be eight out of eight for me. Yeah, North. Should we kick North out? <laughs> we could kick North out. All right. Also, I think we never established it, but I think the crap movie diaper gets zero spots next week. Same as the fishbowl goes. It's got to well, go back. Uh, to you're two. gonna hear from Raider Man on Twitter. Yeah, it's still. It is. We can't do back to back the same episodes. It's gotta go zero one two. Okay. All right. So that's what's coming up. Uh, that link again for Renap live show tickets. Go to robhasawebsite.com slash Renap live for that. Then uh, message uh, Kiva if you need uh, help with any sort of uh, lodging for the hotel. 
what what else? Uh, get money to Chester if uh, you want to come to the tickets and get the group rate and sit with us. I guess anybody could just buy a ticket to the stadium and just find out where we are. But uh, they yeah. deal with ushers, oh, especially Kevin Costner and Cal Ripken, who probably <laughs> Cal Ripken probably has one of those free golden passes any game. Yeah, hope none of the, just whoop the, us. the twins have like a streak where uh, they have to like uh, turn the lights off on us and uh, cancel the game. I mean, it is. I have not seen Pete Alonso play in person yet. And he, as we speak, he just hit uh, another moonshot, 454 feet. Yeah. Uh, that'll be exciting. Of course, with our luck, he'll probably be injured. Uh, have like a, right. you know, a mysterious, uh, you know, hamstring injury that, you know, sidelines him for 2020. How'd it go with uh, tracking down the uh, kosher food spots in uh, the Minneapolis uh, area? Oh, we got a good one. Why? You want to go out for dinner Tuesday night? Uh, we, have, uh, we got a good one. Uh, well, yeah, good, good, good reviews on uh, on like a deli-ish sort of steak place. Okay, sounds good. Uh, we don't have a lot of time to go out. That's really the only time we can go out. And uh, then what do you do? For, what about the rest of your meals? We, 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 you have to find a, a kosher spot. We're gonna be too busy to eat, Rob. But there's literally not going to be time to eat. <laughs> what are you gonna do like on Wednesday? I mean, I think there might be kosher food at the at the at the game. I think yeah, it's, a, it's a day game, and then, all, and then a, I, and we, then a seven o'clock. Thirty two flavors of ice cream. I'm never going to want to see food again. <laughs> And then, I don't yeah. know, maybe we'll have time to like run out to like a pizza. There's a kosher pizza place, like run out between the game and the podcast or something. I don't know. Okay. It's I, funny because I always do think about food, but now like that's such a crazy day. That and I, I don't like to talk about it either. You don't like to talk about it. And it's funny you brought it up. It, you'd normally bring me. I, I'm, more, bring I'm, I'm curious. No, it's a good question. I, I wasn't just, sure if you had to pack a lot of food. To go no, if, no, for not for two days. And also like Minnesota's not like Chester grew up there, right? He didn't like have to eat like peanut butter sandwiches. There's kosher restaurants and supermarket and peanut butter is cancel. Is peanut butter cancel? All right. So just jelly. Yeah. I, um, I was eating peanuts yeah. in the airport the other day and I was like, oh, am I, uh, is somebody going to like uh, stop me? Yeah. No, I wouldn't do that nowadays. Uh, peanuts are, are, are finished. Yeah. So uh, there you go. All right. So great job, Antonio Mazzaro. Follow Akiva on uh, social media at Keeve26. Have we got any reviews lately? I think we have, but this episode's long enough. Long isn't enough. It? Okay, long enough. Okay. Uh, so there you go. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, message us on Twitter uh, if there's anything that we forgot. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. 